Friday, October the 22nd, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. We came out a little late with this episode this week, mainly because of the schedule of, of some of the things that were happening. Um, with uh, There was a wrestling show on Thursday in the middle of the day, normally when we record our, our wrestling segment with Chad Cooper, so we bumped it back. And because we've been doing some of these Friday live streams where we give out the, uh, the races for... Keeneland, give out our selections for the races for Keeneland and for Santa Anita on Friday morning. Didn't really need to overlap and do Friday on the podcast too. So on this episode, we'll talk some NFL Week 7 with Eric. We'll get into our wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll talk WWE Crown Jewel, NXT, and everything happening in AEW. We'll also get into Saturday racing from Keeneland, Saturday racing from Santa Anita, and then Sunday racing from Santa Anita will also dish out some of our best plays for the Sunday card. So you'll get a little Sunday action on this episode instead of the Friday, Saturday. We'll go Saturday, Sunday, and hey, I'm excited. The Dodgers are staying alive. Still got a shot. Dodgers had a pretty bad first couple games in the series against Atlanta. They were walk-off losses and back-to-back nights, and and they just they didn't play that well and they didn't manage and I, I say manage I don't blame it on Dave Roberts because I do know that the Dodgers and the front office and managers and coaches they all come to decisions together it's not like Dave is just making the decisions that's why I laugh when people go oh it's Roberts' fault I can't believe Roberts did that you want, he doesn't make those decisions He's not just doing, he's not rogue. He doesn't just do whatever he wants and everybody deals with it. He's, I don't like the word puppet, but it's more of like a messenger. Him and the front office together have a game plan for what they're going to do. I think sometimes Dave can make maybe a a 50-50 call, but he's not the one deciding every single thing. So I don't blame it. And on him, I do blame some of the decisions. I didn't like what they did with Julio Urias, bringing him back into a game in relief when you knew you were going to need him to start later. But all that said and done, the Dodgers are down three games to two. They're heading back to Atlanta to play on Saturday. And the Dodgers have Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller set up. Doesn't matter about Game 7. They have to win Game 6 first. So it doesn't even matter about Walker Bueller. First up, it's Max Scherzer, whose arm has been fatigued. He had dead arm, he himself said... And he had to come out of the game earlier than he would have liked in his last start. But he is now on full rest. And you'd have to imagine all the adrenaline in the world is going to be pumping for Scherzer uh, on Saturday. So the Braves are a very good baseball team. The Dodgers are going to try to do what they did last year when they were down two games to zero. And then down three games to one. And ended up coming back in the NLCS and went on to win the World Series. Can the Dodgers do it again? We will find out. In the next few days If not, it's a very good and a very deserving Atlanta Braves team that will head to the World Series As the Red Sox and Astros Are just getting set to play To see uh, who will uh, try to represent The American League there So when we have our next episode of That's What G Said Early next week We will do a full World Series Preview for you We'll know which two teams will be uh, Trying to claim the crown As the best team in baseball This year the best team for you when it comes to wagering, to betting, it's better than Dot Vegas, and not, not like a site to go make your wagers, a place to help you make better wagers, to help you become a better better. Everything at BTV is free. It is a website that provides you content via videos from all sorts of different handicappers around the world. They share their selections, their analysis for different sports that they're playing, and they help you kind of 
steer you in the right direction and, and share some angles with you, help you to learn and uh, to kind of grow your uh, your gambling resume, right? Your uh, your profile, sort of some of the things that you look at when you when you play. Games or sports or races Free live streams When you follow at BTV Bets On Twitter That help preview Big sporting events, NFL games College football weekend All sorts of uh, big soccer games And international games BTV Bets Gives away money every day Every day they have a public prop And all you have to do is retweet Follow and one of you Gets Cash. One of you, well, one of you gets a bet, and if the bet wins, you get the cash. We give you the bet. We want it to win every single day. We want to give you that money better than dot Vegas. Let's jump on into NFL Week Seven with Eric. We're gonna go game by game for all of the uh, Sunday and Monday games. And remember, a little bit of a, a shorter slate this week because of the buys. Now, we recorded a little earlier this week, Eric. Helped me because Thursday when we normally record the Dodger game was on And of course I can't record during the Dodger game because I'm paying attention So we ended up recording early on Thursday So if anything that we say is slightly off It's just because we were recording a little bit earlier on Thursday And you're hearing this you know, Friday or maybe Saturday As we go through all of the Sunday and Monday NFL games coming up on Week 7 with Eric NFL Week 7 and we were just a little early again, so a thank you to Eric for uh, for helping out with the a little schedule change here. We are recording early Thursday morning, so if anything happens, you know, later on Thursday, early Friday, um, that's why we won't be talking about it. You'll a lot of you will hear this conversation uh, early to middle part of Friday. And Eric joins me each and every week, uh, and we're going to talk NFL Week Seven preview, all of the uh, the Sunday games for you and the Monday game. Eric, ooh. Last week was the type of week that uh, guys like you and I generally don't do very well When all of the heavy favorites win, or almost all of them When a lot of those favorites are teams that are road favorites Teams that are on short weeks Teams that are in bad spots, yet they're still laying points They're still big favorites Those are going to be times when you know, 99% of the time you and I aren't on those teams And when they have a good week like last week the books get hit, but many of the the players who consider themselves quote unquote sharps or would like to be got hit, and uh, I got hit pretty bad last week. Although I did, it kind of ended the week nicely with uh, a good a good result Sunday night and Monday night. So feel a little bit better heading into this week. I mean, I got my ass kicked. I have people in my Just DMs crushed. telling me like, "We can do your job." I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm me like, too. I'm like, Just. I'm like, I'm still up. 24 units on the year First losing week Like give me a little cred I bet you Yeah this this week and last week (laughs) Were the the two in a row that kind of hit me Uh, And last week was sort of game shape This week was just the You know it's coming And then the the one piece of advice I would say is that Don't don't react like next week Every underdog has to win right That's the one thing we know about football Is that it, it can be any time when we're not expecting it you, you, If anybody could just look at the week And say oh yeah look this is the one Then we'd all, then we'd all be millionaires I mean, All the teaser pieces won All the big like Oh look at me I parlayed the Chiefs Buccaneers Everyone Rams, that was so smart. getting horrible numbers yeah. That you know what I mean Teams that were 
that should have been seven point favorites that were nine, right? Where you're throwing away two or three points all the time. That stuff, like you can make bad bets and win money. Yeah. It's just you're just not going to be a winning player in the long run if you do. That you can make a bad bet and win any time, any day. You know, you can, but you you just the key is is the is the habit you want to develop, right? Yeah. And so it's it's funny because like I said last week, depending on how you played or what kind of a player you are, um, in what spots you were playing, you won games that you probably that probably weren't the best spots and the best bets. Does that mean you're a great better? Probably not. Does that mean all the people that may, lost last week are horrible betters? Absolutely not. It's just something to keep an eye on um, as uh, it's gambling and and the NFL is sharp. It's crazy. And there are still only 17 weeks, right? So for as much as that seems like a lot, when we compare that to other sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, some of their sports that you and I you know, put a, little, a lot of time into watching, th- there can be all sorts of weird crap that happens in the NFL. We see it because of the limited number of games. In the NBA, if a team is, is like doesn't have a good defense, in a month you're going to find that out, right? But in the NFL... A team could play three or four games where they're sort of like catching a break. The other team spits it out. Weird things happen. And that's what that's why I love handicapping the NFL so much. And the way kind of that we do it is game by game, rewatching them, watching every play, logging everything down. Okay, what happened that we didn't see in the box score? How can we help it? The problem is like with a week like last week, there are a lot of games where it's tough to take much out of that game. It's like one of those where if you're handicapping it to move forward, you either kind of burn the film or you just sort of like you use a little bit of what you saw with the other like five weeks of sample size altogether. Cause some weeks, some teams last week, I think you just got to cross out. Yeah. I mean, like there was some funky stuff that happened last week. I mean, the bears game, I mean, you look at that game, how the bears didn't cover that number is still an amazement to me. I mean, that game was basically even and, Lion shit the bed. So I mean, learn from it. Move three on. You made, like all you made yeah. money. I'm happy for you, but you know, well, live to fight another week. And exactly, it's a long season. Awesome if you did. Um, and let's make some money this week as we jump right into it. So we won't be talking about that Thursday night game, which has not happened yet, but it will have already happened by the time uh, you guys all listen to this. And we will jump in with the Washington football team at the Packers. Gosh, man, how, how disappointed in in this team, this Washington team. You and I had a lot of a uh, lot of things that we were right on in our preseason predictions. Ah, uh, man, this is the one that we took the biggest swing and miss on this Washington team, and me in particular. The and like, if you told me they were two and four through week six, I mean, it wouldn't be that big of a shock. I would say, oh yeah, they, their defense is probably really good, right? But Fitzpatrick got hurt. They're a little banged up on offense with the, some of their skill position players. They just can't move the ball, right? Well, no, it's the opposite. They have the unbelievable, horrible, disappointing defense that is one of the worst defenses in the league. Something that I just, I just wouldn't have been able to predict coming into this year, Eric. Uh, they only got 15 total first downs last week too And there were a few weeks where their offense looked good But now the last two weeks their offense hasn't really looked good Heineke hasn't looked good 15 total first downs Terry Mack got hurt 
Gibson got uh, Terry Mack looked hurt. He was hurt coming into the game. He didn't get any separation. There were probably three like go up and get balls that Terry would have gotten at least one of those, and maybe all three if he's healthy. And he didn't get any of them. Gibson's banged up. The defense got lit up for 499 total yards. They are number 29 in defensive DVOA. They are an eight-point underdog, though, on the road here against the Packers team. Uh, the, what, seven and a half now? It was about eight and a half yesterday. So it's in this seven and a half to eight, eight and a half-ish range, depending on when you got this number, when you're looking at it. The total in this one, I think I'm seeing 49. I, it's I've been so disappointed with Washington, but... You know, the Packers are kind of weird too, Eric. I know you've played against them in a couple of, of weeks now, like the Bears this last week, two weeks, a couple weeks ago, it was the Steelers, where, you know, they they shouldn't have covered those games. They could have very easily lost the game to the Bengals with all those missed field goals too. I don't know how great they are, and I don't know if I'd want to lay eight and a half or eight or so with them. Anything over a touchdown feels like it might be a little bit too much for me. I mean, I look at this, it was at nine and a half. A couple days ago, it's all the way from eight to eight and a half to seven and a half, depending on the book you have. Um, Heineke's been awful, terrible his last two games, just terrible. Um, one TD to every three INTs that's his ratio. Washington could be without two offensive linemen for this game. Um, on the flip side, you know, uh, Alexander and King are out for the Packers. In the um, secondary But is, is Heineke even going to be able to take advantage of that You know because he hasn't shown he has And, and if Terry Mack's not healthy That's that's the key Because he he their relationship was sort of like A throw it up to my stud receiver You know Terry Mack when he's good And when he's healthy he is awesome He in my opinion is the top 10 wide receiver In the league and someone who can you know Win you games and, and be just in, Like impossible to defend Sometimes he just doesn't seem like he's Himself and Heineke isn't isn't the type of guy who can go win you a game. Oh, not at all, not at all. And Gibson's banged up. God only knows what what Gibson's going to be doing. It's just there's just so many questions here. You know, as much as how I play, I want to take the football team. End of the day, this game's probably just going to be a pass for me. And the whole thing, like Packers, are I think are now up to 26 in the red zone with Aaron Rodgers. That's not that good. I was looking at completion with pressure rate. The one thing I could see Washington winning is if they're able to get to Rodgers. Like, the only quarterbacks, and this blew my mind, that Rodgers is better when facing pressure is he's better than Geno Smith, Tua, um, and Sam Darnold. I mean, he's really struggling this year with pressure rate. But Washington hasn't been able to get to the quarterback. So I don't I don't know what makes me think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback this game. This game is basically their season. If they don't win, they're out. Um, and this team's kind of public enemy, like number one. Now I feel like the whole Sean Taylor, uh, ring of honor retirement Jersey. I figure that was all just rushed together. I mean, it looked like real, it came off just awful. I think they're just trying to protect themselves against this whole email scandal that's going on. So, I mean, that didn't help them at all. I mean, this, this game is not going to see any money from me. I mean, if it drifts back up to nine. I'll probably force myself to be invested on Washington just on a number play, but as of right now, I'm just kind of I'm gonna probably sit this one out. Yeah, I agree. The number, I mean, if you're if you're sitting like one one year, we'll do a, a, a pick every game pool. You know, we'll get a bunch of people in and we'll we'll do one of those where you pick every game by the line. Like if you're in something like that, or if you're looking at this game, if the game is over seven, 
I would still lean Washington, but I can't bet this game because I didn't bet it earlier in the week with the numbers. Like I just, if I see this yeah. number now at seven and a half and know that I had the opportunity to get eight and a half or nine or maybe even nine and a half earlier, I just couldn't. But Green Bay hasn't been incredible enough for me to want to lay a big number like this. I just never would. But Washington, I don't feel confident at all. And it's a bummer because would it surprise either one of us if at some point it just sort of clicks and this defense is a, they they got to be better than this, but maybe they're not. Like coverage wise, they're just so bad it doesn't make sense. And uh, sometimes you just take a swing and a miss. We might have done that. A lot of us might have done that with this Washington defense. But I mean, like the whole thing is like you know we all have strengths. Players have strengths and weaknesses. And William Jackson just can't play zone, and that's what no. Del Rio wants to play. And I mean, I yep. said that a couple of weeks ago. They're better He's off lost. doing like some yeah some hybrid where Jackson locks down. A, ha- a guy, half of the field, whatever, and uh, the other half is zone. But Del Rio is an old head; he's not going to do anything fancy like that. And back to the Bears game. I mean, Bears were winning that game. That was a three-point game until that last touchdown by Rogers. Um, and if you look at the stats, first down yardage, everything's basically even. So I mean, that that ten-point victory isn't really like a ten-point victory. That game's a lot closer than people realize. But yeah. I can't can't play the Washington football team right now. Can't do it. Uh, we can move along to our next game on the board, and uh, the Chiefs are three and three. They're going to be playing the four and two Titans. Titans. This, this is another game that I'm just going to stay away from. It's you know the Chiefs. They played Washington last week. They didn't even look that good, honestly, in, in beating Washington. Like Washington just looked really, really bad. The Chiefs moved the ball offensively fine, but they had three turnovers. There should have been four. Mahomes threw a bad, a bad ball that should have been an interception that was dropped. Their defense played better. They only allowed 276 total yards to Washington. But just to give you an idea of how bad their defense has been, even after only allowing 276 total yards, they moved up from number 32 to number 31 in defensive DVOA. They are no longer dead last, but they're still <laughs> 31. Um, and, and, you know, now they're going to be laying points on the road. I think a lot of people are going to get that. Oh, yeah, the Chiefs are back, right? They won last week. They didn't look that good in winning. And then you got a Titans team that, that was a big game for them last week. You and I kind of sniffed it out, though. It, it's all about the spots. Buffalo beat up Kansas City the week before. That was – it just reminded me so much of when the Rams beat temp, Tampa earlier in the year, right? You could just tell that that team circled that game and got up for them, and and every single thing went right for the Bills. They were kicking the crap out of Kansas City, so they were going to have a flat week the week after, which they did last week. Derrick Henry breaks one big run. All of a sudden, that game is different now, and you're in the game, and you're competitive. I don't know if I could play Tennessee this week. Even like I like the Tennessee at home as the dog here, but on the short week coming off of their big win, this is a stay away for me. See, I think the Titans are a live dog here. Yeah, and and I I would. That's a side that my betting, like if they hadn't just come off of their Monday night win on the short week. I would like them a little bit more too. Like, if sounds stupid, but if that game against the Bills was like in the middle of the Sunday morning slate, it would bother me a lot less than just the one extra day and the Monday night thing, you know. But and, I'm with you. I can't take the Chiefs. Uh, and like, you, you think of it like this: like, how can the Titans, who have a million injuries in the secondary, secondary is banged up as shit, how can they stop 
Mahomes and this passing attack. Well, how can the Chiefs stop Derrick Henry? I mean, they are where they're they're twenty seventh against the run, allowing one hundred and thirty three yards a game. Henry's going to be able to just run all over this this defense, and I really don't think we like are appreciating as football fans, gamblers, no, sports we're not. fans. We're not Derrick Henry. I mean, like what he's doing is just astronomical right now. It is just insane. And the offensive coordinator in that Seattle game, like they were getting their asses kicked. He was trying to throw all over the place. And it was just kind of like, I don't know if someone said something in the locker room, but he just said, F it, dude, just Derek, here's the ball. Go, go do your thing, man. You know, and that it got Arthur Smith, the head coaching job. And they're starting to run the ball more. And he's, He's being insanely effective. Even when Taylor Lewan went out last week, he was still getting yards against the Buffalo's defense. And I think Buffalo is still one DVOA in terms of defense. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to stop him. And I go back, like, I've been lucky enough, like, when I started doing this gambling thing of meeting people that have helped me out and taught me stuff. And there's this guy, Brad. I still talk to the guy. The guy is insanely old school. I mean... And he, he is the biggest old school guy. I know he still has a flip phone and he used to run numbers. And he told me, he said, Hey, anytime I think the home dog's live, I always open it up at five or five and a half to attract money on the road favorite. And I'm just thinking of that in the situation as crazy as it sounds. Um, I haven't talked to him this week, but I'm definitely going to be on the tight ends on the money line. Yeah, this is a, this is a weird one of those just because. I'd like to play against both of these teams. You know, this is one of those. And when that happens for me, I'll usually stay away because then I'm looking at like, I could see either one of these teams maybe being a tad overvalued based on where they are. Um, and Tannehill just, didn't look right. Like Tannehill like looked awful on Monday night and yet they still won. And there's a, I mean? so. Mike Clay from ESPN, uh, and he does a lot of the, the ESPN fantasy projections, was looking at basically – um, he was scripting the way that the Tennessee offense was the last couple years and this year, and basically things that have held up and that haven't. They are they are projected to score a ton more through the air coming up than they have, just like based on their yards and how many touchdowns they've scored and stuff. So if you're someone who's playing Tannehill or who has had played Tannehill, like. Man, and in a couple of my leagues, I've just had the worst luck with fantasy quarterbacks this year because I had a couple leagues I had Tannehill to start the year, and then when he was struggling, I went and picked up Kirk Cousins. And what's funny is Kirk Cousins is like a top 12 quarterback, but he's had like two bad weeks, and those were the weeks I started Cousins. It was I've just been in one of those where I started Tannehill his two bad weeks to start. Then after Cousins had a couple awesome weeks, I went and got him, put him in my lineup back-to-back weeks. It was one of those weeks against the Browns, and then the other one where he was just no good. Now I had to throw Burrow in, so... Tannehill might be someone you want to keep an eye on And maybe go back to Especially in a game like this Against this bad, bad Chiefs defense It could be a kind of a get right spot for him Especially if he has the weapons out there We'll see what happens with Brown Who, you know, having Brown and having Julio You know, even if those guys aren't 100% Just to stretch the field To spread things out To give them an option That should help Um, Couldn't, couldn't lay the points here with KC Let's root for Eric and, uh, and the Titans here now, let me ask you one question. I'm looking at MVP futures, and that's something I love doing after every week. Um, Derrick Henry's 25 to 1. Now, to me, with what he's doing, that I think that kind of has a little value. Granted, I, I think agree. I feel you have to get a little lucky because, I mean, 
You, got you need, Murray, you need you Kyler got and probably yeah. Lamar. Yeah, you need you need one of those guys to lose somebody to to. You don't want to group for anybody to get hurt, but somebody to miss a couple games or something like that. You know, for them to. But but it's not a bad fly. Twenty five to one. I mean, throwing a quarter of a unit on it. I think that's got some legs just because of the historic season we're seeing from him. And I mean, when you put in what he's doing, you know, over 2000 yards again, Tennessee, it looks like they're going to run away with the division with the, the Colts injuries and their struggles. I definitely think that future has got a little value to it. That is chiefs Titans. As we move along to this game is just, I can't believe this next game. You and I were talking about this uh, before we recorded over the last couple of days. So, okay. You're not going crazy folks. The Falcons are playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins that did play last week in London are coming back one week later playing in Miami and are playing against a team that had a bye last week that did not play since we've seen them play in London two weeks ago. Now, you knew and I were talking about this. I think this happened last year, too, with somebody. And so the teams can actually decide if they don't want their buy after London and they'd rather move it later in the year, which I don't, un- I mean, I don't understand that. I, I don't, I don't, I think anyone who's doing that doesn't quite realize what it is like to go to a different country, to have a time change, to have to come back and then to expect your routine to be the same. That's the thing about football is every week, the routine is the same. What happens on Sunday, you know your game, then you come back, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're all the same leading into your Sunday. Unless you have a Thursday game, then things are slightly different. But for this conversation, everybody plays on Sunday, so everything is the same. The problem is is it can't be when you come back from London. Like you come back, your travels longer, you come back, your body's a little bit off, things are a little bit different. It takes you like an extra day Day and a half, two to shake everything off, and then you got to come play a football game against a team that's had an, a whole other week off. It's not even like you're playing a team that has had six straight games and and just traveled from west to east. You're playing against a fresh team, and oh yeah, one more thing: there's all these Deshaun Watson rumors floating around right now. It's just. The the one I heard this morning before you and I talked was it's like some three-way trade where Watson goes to the Dolphins, Tua goes to the football team. Yeah, on and, Washington. Yeah, and Henneke goes down there because I get the Texans don't want anything to do with Tua, which may be the best personal decision ever because that kid is god-awful. Um, but in terms of this game, this game is like, I'm, I know I know I'm going to bet the Dolphins. I'm going to hate it. The line opened up when this, when Miami and the Jacksonville game kicked off, the line was Falcons plus three and a half. At close on Sunday, so when, that means when the games ended, it was Falcons were laying two and a half. If this I gets mean, to three or three five, and a half, is my, that's when I'm jumping in. <laughs> that's, that's the moment I jump and in. A half. Yeah, that's a five and a half points. I mean, you're telling me with how much this Falcons defense has struggled, the offense relying on effing Cordell Patterson. Now, I know they're getting gauged. I know they're getting Ridley back. But Cordell Patterson, as crazy as it sounds, has been the focal point of the offense. And that team's laying three on the road? I mean, come on. That's just that's just way too much. I mean, the, the Dolphins have a point differential of negative 78 points. I mean, 
Defense is struggling when it's not getting turnovers. Offense can't run the ball. They're 31st in running the ball. But I get a small home dog that's being undervalued by the public because they shit the bet against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have everything I do with gambling tells me to take the Dolphins here. I'm going to hope I can get the three. If I don't get the three, I'm still going to take the two and a half. But I'll be invested here on the Dolphins for sure. I was I was listening to a show the other day, and it reminds me of this where they were uh, they were talking about a game from last week or they were recapping or something. It's just like you and I are rooting that the line doesn't get to three. So that way we don't have to bet the dolphins, which is funny, right? Because if it gets there, the the way that we play, we go, okay, we got to play this team because there gets like a six point swing now and they're at home. But, but I don't want to have to back them because of what I saw last week, because this team could like with this situation and this travel, like if they lost by 30 points, I wouldn't be shocked. If they just are beat up and jet lagged and you're playing a fresh team, the thing about Atlanta too, which is we don't know, a lot of these teams that have bye weeks with new coaches, I kind of like in that I think sometimes if you're a new coach or like a new quarterback or someone and you've had a few weeks to play and then you get a bye, that could really help you because you sort of like got a sample size now of what works and what doesn't work. Right. Then you get that week to go back and say, okay, let's focus on those things that work. The things that don't work, just let's throw them out of the playbook or let's just bump them way down the list. So, so you might get that with this Falcons team. You might get a team that sort of figured a couple things out that might be looking a lot better offensively than they did. And now they're going to run into this team that's just tired and beat up. Please don't let this line get to three so that way Eric and I don't jump don't have to jump in. Please I, mean, like, I can tell you right now, like if the Dolphins are getting points, I'm gonna play it. I mean, yeah. like my buddy, like I don't like I said, like I grew up in this town, Mount Pleasant, and there was a lot of gambling in this town because we had a casino tribal casino, dirt ball horse track, and I met a lot of old school dudes. And this one guy who I still talk to this day taught me a lot, Jason, he told me he's like, look, he goes. There's certain quarterbacks, when they're laying points on the road, you just fade them. Anytime they're getting points, you look to take them. And Matt Ryan's on that list for him, same as Jameis Winston. And that's that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to be fading Matt Ryan. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Best number I can get, but I'm sitting out as of now. We move along to Jets-Pats. Okay, so this game is right now at 7. We don't... As soon as this seven and a half pops up, I'm gonna take it. Um, I this Patriots team has been, you know, you kind of look through their games, and you never want to say easy to read because as soon as you say that, that they'll you'll you'll get humbled in this game. But I think when you can uh, you can kind of look at their their games, and and it, they all make sense, right? When they play well, and then a lot of it has come up, like built around that Brady coming back to New England. They played really well that week. The week before that, they had a letdown game because they were looking ahead. The week after the Brady game, they had a letdown game, and then last week they actually played pretty well for for everything. You know, they 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 Dallas, I think, is you know now proving themselves to be one of the better teams in the league. And New England hung in there with them. They took them to overtime. That was a game that Dallas probably could have won by more earlier on. But hell, New England act actually could have won that game. But now you get home you come home after a tough loss 
You have a kind of a sleepy Jets team that you already beat up earlier in the year to deal with. And this Jets team, just like I was saying with the Falcons, they're a, a perfect kind of team that I think could really improve during their bye because they have a brand new coach and a brand new quarterback. And now Wilson can at least look at some of the film and see what he's been doing right and what he's been doing wrong. Hey, I can't do that. I have to be a little bit more here. Hey, this work, you know, I think some of these teams are teams that may may look a little different coming out of the bye, and maybe they don't. But I think that that's sort of it's an intangible that that may you know maybe they do look better, and maybe this game should be five instead of seven. You know, the, um, the, that's that's kind of how I look at it, and it's a small small total, right? Not the largest total in the world. And you're getting a big spread. That's always one of the things you and I go to. 42 and a half, a team laying seven that feels like too much in a game where they don't expect it to be high scoring. The thing that stood out to me for this was this. It opened up at basically the same number as the week two game. And I found that really odd. You know what I mean? Because like that game was in New York. Um you know, you know what I mean? Like it just felt odd. Should have been how the three other was. Yeah, if, yeah. if that was seven, should've this one should have been nine. You know, yeah, or this, ten. So yeah. that that has me leaning toward the Jets because it kind of tells you the the books are trying to get money to New England. Um, that game was a heartbreaker. I had them plus four and a half. Great, a great number. Had the money line. That game sucked. I mean, they totally should have won that game. Um, and covered. I hated how they lost that cover, but what can you do? Um. Robert Salu, great defensive coach. Everyone's bringing up Brady against, not Brady, Belichick against a rookie quarterback. What about Robert Sale against a rookie quarterback? He's going to be able to scheme for him. This is going to be a second time seeing Mac Jones. Um, I think this game is going to be a lot closer, and I totally agree with you. If I can get a seven and a half somewhere, I'll totally lock that in. But everything that on my books is basically at that seven range right now, so I'm definitely sitting out. But seven, and, seven and a half, and a half. higher. Yep, yep. me definitely. too. Definitely. Definitely going to be a buy because these second rounds of um, divisional games tend to be a little bit tighter, a little bit lower scoring. Teams know each other. They're closer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first half total at some books is 21 and a half. That's kind of tempting to me a little bit because I think this is going to be a little bit more of a defensive struggle. Zach Wilson has looked a lot better every single game. He's getting more Mm -hmm. confidence. So, yeah, I'll definitely lean the seven and a half here if I can get it. And, you know, the the Patriots – they, I, I expect them to run the ball well here too, right? I don't think they're going to try to like throw, like, that's just not who they are. They're not going to try to throw all over you. So expect some Damian Harris. He ran for 100 yards last week on 18 carries. Their offensive line kind of struggling in pass protection because they're still beat up on the offensive line too. So they don't want to make Mac have to sit back there and get beat up. The The run blocking is a little bit easier and it's in you can kind of get away with it more with a beat up offensive line than having a quarterback drop back and have to wait for five seconds because they're going to get hit so that that's probably where new england tries to to, to kind of get, win on the margins i think this is like one of those ugly sloppy like 20 AFC's gems i mean i tw- love these games 17 13 Right, yep. something like that, like twenty to seventeen. I think it's close, and I think the Jets cover this game. But I'm gonna wait till seven and a half uh, before I jump in. Let's move to Panthers Giants. Oh man, I felt I felt bad last week because Sam Darnold looked really, really bad, really bad. It, it, he had a couple just awful plays that 
Head scratching stuff that you would see Like an 8th grader doing in in the park You know But he had un- Unfortunately He had 8 wide receiver drops Like he was not getting helped out at all By his wide receivers And then what's so crazy Eric He comes back and he leads this incredible drive To like a 96 yard drive To tie the game To put them in overtime And then The thing that just sort of feels weird right So you're the home team You're the Panthers you're down, you come all the way back You have this really cool ending Where you tie the game And then you go to overtime And you go, you know, you do the coin toss and everything And the Vikings win, they get the ball They go score a touchdown, you don't even get a chance To get the ball That sort of, that sort of feels weird, right? <laughs> I mean, that was just crazy And like, I, that was a That was an insane catch And an insane dime that Cousins threw To win that game I know, that was nuts. That was just Astronomical that pass play he had Um, In terms of the Panthers It's kind of weird like up to that last second Drive Donald looked Bad Bad. bad. He had had drops and everything Between him and his wide Whatever like he looked bad and his wide receivers Looked bad I'm not saying that he Like the he didn't look good And it was the all the wide receivers fault They all looked like crap Both both combinations But that last drive He was like putting stuff together I was like, who is this guy? How is that the same person that was playing earlier in the game? Yeah, and I'll have to rewatch. That's one game. That's the, of course, the one game I haven't rewatched yet. But I don't know. I'll have to see like the like where the Falcons like dropping everybody back, letting them have. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like I'll have to kind of watch that and see what was up. But watching the game, that's on the red zone, like I did on Sunday. That was the one thing I was like, God damn! Like how is he able to move this ball this easily? Um. But looking at Sammy Boy, he is, what is that, 48.7% with an average depth of target on a pass of 4.92 yards after that 3-0 start. So he really has not been playing that well. Um, he needs McCaffrey, but, and he yeah. he's just a guy. And we see, you know, and you and I are going to do a segment coming up in, in the next couple of weeks where we sort of rank all the quarterbacks because he looks really no different than Teddy did last year with them. And 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 how Teddy kind of does with Denver. It's like when games are going great and things are flowing, and then they're up, and then you can do a little play action, and then you make a great throw, and things look awesome, and everything's great, and then your defense gets a turnover, and you get great field position, and it's just. But then when things, I mean, how there's probably five quarterbacks in the league I'd want when things start to go wrong. Everybody else, you know, you're in trouble. You do, yeah. and, and and it's. It's unfortunate for Sam because he had, you know, this is another team where I kind of put them in with the Broncos and the Browns in that were the Panthers going to win the Super Bowl? No. But if you look at, at the Panthers right now, you know, they started 3-0 and against a real easy schedule, and then McCaffrey got hurt. They could be 5-1, and even without McCaffrey. Like, they could have, they very easily could have lost the game by to the Vikings by, by double digits, but a game that you go to overtime... If if Darnold doesn't throw one awful pick last week, they could have beat the Vikings. Two weeks ago, they should have beat the Eagles. And instead of a three and three team that you know is struggling right now, we could have been talking about a five and one team even without McCaffrey. Now we find out McCaffrey's going to be out for a few more weeks. I think that's just one of those things with this locker room that like him not being there, it's like you know you look in you look out there when you're lined up and and you start to look around, and you're like shit. McCaffrey's not here You know it's like what like that's our Like shit 
You know, and I I wonder if that's something that's kind of like seeped in with this team over the last few weeks because even their defense, you know, they don't. The Eagles and the Vikings aren't incredible teams. It's not as if like we're talking about oh that you know they could have be, been able to beat these teams still too. They just they're just not that great of a team, and they're missing some pieces. And when when a team that's average to below average is missing pieces, they could look really really bad in the NFL. Yeah, they and. The Panthers have looked bad. Like, they've looked really bad. Like you said, they should have won the Eagles game, winnable game last week. And it gets to the point, like, when you're a defensive player and you see your quarterback consistently F up, you see your wide receivers dropping balls, it affects your effort, as crazy as it sounds. Like, it affects, like, you're willing to go out there and, like, go to war for something. We're humans. And, we're it's, we're not machines, know, right? You see it. Instead of giving a, a 100, you give, like, a 90. Or a 95, your push is a little bit less You don't swipe for an extra ball Sometimes you forget to put your hands up Because you're a little bit frustrated And if you would have, maybe you would have gotten a deflection You know, you're just not quite as sharp When you don't feel like Your offense is pulling the weight And it it it, it just affa- it, it affects you As crazy as it sounds, even though these are professionals It affects you, and I think it's gotten to that point In Carolina, I talked to my buddy Brandon who lives down there, um, rules come out and says he wants a heavy dose of running the ball. He wants to get to the ground and pound. People in the sports media down there are calling for Joe Brady to be fired. They say his offense doesn't work. The fact of the matter is the quarterback that he needs, he needs like a mobile quarterback to run the RPOs. That's the Joe Brady offense. Darnold's not that. Not that. So they can't even run, really run the offense that he truly wants to run. I think this team is a little bit more in disarray than people realize. And now it brings me to the Giants. The Giants are in complete disarray. Did you see the clip where um, last week, like, no one knew if Daniel Jones was going to play. Joe Judge was on the podium, and somebody in the media said, well, he's on the practice field. Judge had no idea. Like, Judge literally had no clue Daniel Jones was practicing. Did you see when he's calling for a—he's on the sideline, and— you could see that the Rams are going to run a fake punt, and they all—they do all the time. They run the fake punts all the time with Hecker. The Rams are like one of those teams that like anyone should be paying attention for a fake punt, and they don't have anyone—they don't have anyone lined up for the fake, like the defendant whatsoever. And Judge sort of figures it out, and he's like calling it out on the sidelines instead of either like calling a timeout or having somebody be there. But he's like, "Watch the fake! Watch the fake!" And then they and then they fake it, and the only reason why it didn't work is because there was like an unsportsmanlike like conduct that had nothing to do with the Giants. They got very lucky there, but it's just, um, it's a, it's weird. And and we've seen it with these teams in the NFL. It goes quick, Eric. I mean, you can think that things are going okay, and then quickly, like look at where this Giants team was just a few weeks ago. They come off of that win against the Saints. They they feel pretty good about themselves. I'd imagine you come back there late. Barkley looks good. You have some of these new wide receivers that are kind of jumping into the mix, and and then the week the game against Dallas when they just got beat up, and now you your whole you know you lose your best offensive lineman, you lose your your running back, you lose one of your receivers, your quarterback got banged up, and now like you never know when somebody has a concussion like that what how long it takes them to really get back to where they were. Sure, he passed concussion protocol. He was playing last week. Daniel Jones did not look good. And and you know what? Daniel Jones looked really good through the first four weeks of this year. Yeah, That's I mean, what like sucks my... with the football team, right? It's all like 
it's you got to come together. Like Daniel Jones will play great for four weeks, but in the first four weeks, they had a couple where their defense kind of spit a bit. They couldn't run the ball. Now that things are different, now Daniel Jones is screwed up. That's you know you gotta like we see it all the time with teams. You, you'll have one somebody or one part or one unit play well for a little while, then one unit, and now like what do you what do you trust about the Giants? Like they're they're one of those teams that you look at and. You know they got destroyed last week. They don't do they anything. Got they, got they don't do anything well. They're 27th in offensive DVOA. They're 25th in, D- in defensive DVOA. If you go to Pro Football Focus, um, Pro Football Focus does a really good job of grading every unit and player each week based on the plays. So you can see after each week, and you can see like each team where. It's really easy to read too It shows you their strengths and their weaknesses It'll go through each unit And like the the units that are really really good They'll be like the better The higher color and the others will be lower color And you can just easily say Oh okay look these are the things that this team does well These are the things that this team Doesn't do well and then you can See where they stack up against everybody else in the league There's nothing this team does above average Nothing They're just bad they're, they, I mean they're for as much promise as they had coming into the regular season, this team has totally underperformed. They had a couple of games that the ball didn't bounce their way at the end of the season, uh, the end of the Rams game. There's a couple of plays I watched where you could really question the effort of the, the effort players. They like, just let really even trying. Just let them go right through. Um, all that you know, being said, Eric, all that being said, all that being said, if you I give me small, three and a half here, I'm jumping in. And at three, on Sunday, three, if it's still three, I'm, I'm probably in. in. I'm yeah. in on the Giants. I'm in on the Giants. I mean, they got embarrassed. They're going to bounce back. In terms of the comp- concussion stuff, um, I talked to my buddy. Um, this test that they test you with, it's not that hard. Like, it's not that hard of a test. Daniel Jones went to Duke. He's a smart guy. I'm sure he has the test memorized. Not memorized, but you know what I mean? But sure he knows, like, he knows what he has to do stuff. to get. To but, get by to play. So, yeah. So, I mean, he shouldn't have played last week. Um, I think he's going to be better because he was playing well before. If you, like, honestly, awesome. if you take last game out and, and then the Rams then, and look over his body of work, he's playing well. So, I think we're going to see him. Five in, met- in yeah. most passing metrics of quarterbacks. Like, numbers that you wouldn't have expected from Danny Dimes. I agree with you. That That's, that's what a lot of my handicap in this game is built in is just that expect knowing that he can be so much better than he was last week and he has to be for them to be competitive and just that i can't lay a field goal or more with this panthers team right now i just can't oh, that's Not my first note on the my road first note on my piece of paper is can you trust darnold giving points on the road that's my my first note on my piece of paper when i started this it's not at all just not at all again and it was just a few days ago when they said now to you know, two weeks ago, we thought McCaffrey was coming back. He he was practicing. They said he took off his shoulder pads or whatever at practice and was like full strength. And then against the Eagles, they said, "Oh, well, we're going to hold him out just to be, just in case." So and then everybody just assumed, "Oh yeah, he'll be back next week." And then they say, "Oh yeah, now he's on IR. He's going to be missing at least a few more weeks." Like that kind of thing, I think just that's got to be a little demoralizing for a team that looks around and goes, "God." A few weeks ago, we thought we were like a playoff team. We were thinking we maybe could win at this division, just kind of like looking at the lay of the land. And now we could be under 500 just a month later. Um, yeah, Giants at plus 
if this number is still plus three on Sunday, I'll take it. If it's three, I'm gonna wait to see if we can get a three and a half here. Um, I'm gonna be on the Giants plus three, and I'm probably yeah, gonna parlay I don't think we'll the get Giants the three and a half though. Like, Carly, the Giants money line and Dolphins money line. It's like small home dogs. It's my thing. I don't think we'll get the three and a half either. And if we do, it'll be like for a minute before people just pound at it. Uh, we will get to the Bengals and the Ravens for our next game. This one is uh, six and a half or so. Baltimore is favored. Baltimore is in a stretch where I think I saw this has happened less than 10 times in the history of the NFL. They have four, they get four home games in a row this year. Baltimore That's insane for the way that the schedule Worked out and remember schedules are a little different This year because of the 17 games and they Did travel uh, early in the season But this I mean To me this is just textbook 101 I Don't think the Ravens are quite As good as their record I think the Ravens are probably Like somewhere in the Fifth to like eighth Right now to me best team In the league I think they're not quite in the top five, but I think they're not They're they're definitely in the top ten And probably in the fifth through ten And I think I know a lot of the things that they do well I think I know some of the teams that I feel like Could probably match up well with them And, and beat them or or give them a good game And then, you know, we dig into their Their, rec, their schedule, and we dig into Their week by week Last week, they beat the crap Out of the Chargers That They, they beat them up There is no doubt about that And they just they caught a team where they could run the ball really well, and every single thing went went wrong for the Chargers. That was a, that was a situation where you saw one team almost every like ninety five percent of things went right for the Ravens, and ninety five percent of things went wrong for the Chargers. And that's what happens when that happens. Like the Chargers are a very good football team. That can happen to anyone, anyone. When you know yeah. when you start to just crap the bed and it's what does Keanu Reeves say in re, in the replacements? It's like quicksand, you know. Yeah. One one thing and then the next and then the next and that's what it was for the Chargers. Every single thing, they they got too cute early. They Staley was a little bit exposed for some of his play calling and some of his decision making early on. Their special teams, which had been bad, continued to be bad. Herbert. Looked human and the third and fourth down efficiency does not hold up You can't be that good on third down and fourth down over and over You just can't you can be really good, but you can't be perfect You can as good as you are. It's always the number is always going to come down the more and more you play with the third and fourth down efficiency and All of those things came together last week And so what that ends up doing is that ends up Having everyone now look at the Ravens and go, oh my gosh, this Ravens team did that to the Chargers. And think about how good the Chargers were. They beat the Browns the week before they scored 40 points. They beat the Chiefs the week before they, like, this Chargers team is good and Herbert and everything and Staley. So that means the Ravens must be that good. I don't think they are. And and the, maybe the Ravens win this game by 25 and maybe they're way better than the Bengals. But I still think right now you're catching the Ravens at the most valued they are Which means I'm not going to play them And the matchup That I actually like here Is the Bengals run defense Against the Baltimore run game The Bengals actually When you when you go and break down Their games and you break down the teams They played so they have the number Five defensive DVOA overall They're number four against the run 
They just beat up the Lions last week That's not the game that I'm like looking at to gauge The games that I like for the Bengals are Against the Vikings Dalvin Cook They only allowed 67 total yards rushing to the Vikings Cook got 61 yards on 20 carries The next week against the Bears David Montgomery 61 yards on 20 carries They've played good run teams And they've slowed them down I think that matchup Is going to be much different than it was last week For Baltimore who could just gash The Chargers and pick up Six, seven, eight yards every time They handed the ball off This is a divisional game The Bengals are feisty And they are up, they're going to be up for this game This is going to be a huge game for them they're, They like where they are right now They're 4-2, and two. they're excited This is a game that Baltimore probably comes into Feeling really good about where they are Off of their big win last week At six and a half I'm absolutely Bengals side in here. I like the Bengals too. I'm going to wait to see if I can get the seven. Opened up at six. It's drifted up to six and a half this morning. If I can get, I'm going to be in, but I want to see if I can get the seven. Um, Bengals, they spent some money on the defense and it's showing linebacker groups a lot better this year. Defensive lines a lot better this year. Able to stop the run, disrupt the quarterback a little bit. Um, interesting thing though about the Ravens, they are getting their, they figured out their offensive line. Offensive line has looked better. Um, defensive secondary guys are starting to come back. Um, I am a little scared because I have made a lot of money betting on this Ravens team at home. So that's the one thing that I am a little tight about. Um, yeah, they, and they might, yeah. that, and that's the thing, like they might be a better team or a team like they're them and the bills are kind of the, the, the bullies, right? They, if they catch a team that is not playing well, that has some injuries that doesn't come to play. They will punch you in the mouth and they will look as good as any team does when doing it, you know? Yep. And so that's sort of where I think, and, and they and like, if, so if the Bengals come out and they're not ready to rock and roll or their offensive line isn't as strong or Burrow throws a pick or two early or they fumble the ball or something, they could get crushed. But in a pure, pure spot where the Ravens are here, I just feel like this is a, this is the total time oh. to play against them. Oh, for you know? sure. And I mean, you got to look at it like this is a, Spots of flat spots for the Bengals last week. Granted, you know Lions. Lions looked like team in the flat spot. Bengals were out to play the game. That really mm-hmm. impressed me. Me too. In terms of the Ravens, I think we're getting a couple more points than we should. Um, hypothetically, let's say the Lions want win that game. I don't think we're getting a six and a half here. You I, know what I mean? Like, Ravens yeah, no, no, you got some yeah. stuff. Seven, eight, kind of broke their yeah. Broke their way. I think. Um, I think there's some value, definitely for sure, on the Bengals here. But like I said, I want the seven. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold out and hope that you know one of the public books I have, I can get the seven. The sharper books are basically gonna keep it at six and a six, six and a half. Got the six and a half. That's when I jumped in because I, I'm not yeah. sure if it's gonna get to seven. But if it does get to seven and above, then I will definitely jump in on that number. Also with the with the and then sprinkle on the money line, you know what I mean? Like absolutely, this is this is the time. I mean, Ravens are coming off being the Chargers buys next week, and as a gambler, what you and I are hoping for is the Bengals play a close game. Hell, Bengals even win this game next week. The Bengals are at the Jets, and then we pound the Jets. That's like what you and I are hoping for, and I'll definitely sprinkle on the money line here. And that's something that you, uh, you know, you mentioned to me for some of the people that are listening. You know, we talk a lot about the the numbers and the totals and the spread and stuff. But when you're playing these dogs, when you're playing short dogs, and especially, I'm almost always doing 
uh, some money line uh, yeah. almost always uh, because you, if it's a three point spread, you think the team's going to win anyways. You know, if, if it's if it's under three, you, sometimes you don't even need to take the points. Just take the money line, period. Unless it's in two and a half, maybe you take the points. But you, you always got to try to look be, because anytime you can get that plus money instead of when everyone else is going minus one ten, that's just going to set you up even better. So, you know, a lot of these games, in, unless it like to me. The, it's like seven is the number and over where I'm probably not playing the money lines as much because then a lot of the times like the reason why I'm playing teams at seven and a half or at ten and a half or whatever or are because of those numbers, right? Because it's over a touchdown, so you feel like okay, this team is probably inferior, but it's seven and a half. They could get the backdoor cover, or this is ten and a half. So those are situations where I'm probably not playing the money line as much. But with a touchdown and under, you know, like. You're already handicapping That you think the team is going to be pretty close And pretty competitive So if you can get yourself a little extra value here Toss in a few on the Bengals Money line here Total in this game was what like 47 uh, I'm seeing So, Yeah, yeah that feels about right um, Yeah let's move to Eagles Raiders I said this last week and I feel the same way You played the Raiders off the coach uh, The coaching change which is Generally one of my uh, Sort of my Go-tos whenever a coach gets fired I didn't know how the Raiders Would respond because Gruden didn't get Didn't get fired because of You know he was 0-5 as a coach And he was just completely incompetent It was way different and so I wasn't sure If like it's one of those weird things You know when like someone that you know Well gets gets caught For doing something or saying something bad Like it's always weird how I always feel weird like how am I going to respond You know do you want to defend that person Or are you like bothered Really bothered or you know that, that That's not how they are they're not that way Or oh yeah I kind of I knew that I'm I'm not surprised here that this came out I didn't I don't know how a lot of these Players are thinking you know with that Did they like him did they not did they Like that was that's sort of why I'm I'm Staying away for another week or two Because I don't know if they got their big Okay now he's gone Let's rally the troops we're doing it without the coach this week. Uh, Derek Carr is going to fire everybody up, and you know, let's do this. And then they get this big game last week where they win. They beat up the Dolphins. They look good. And then is this week the flat spot? That's what I, what scares me. Yeah. So I'm I'm staying away. I'm staying away. For me now, first of all, like I gave out the Henry future. I have another future here. Now, if we look, and I hate to digress from the the betting this game. If we look at the wild card picture right now in the NFC, there is basically a log jam of three and two to basically like two and three teams. There's the Saints, Vikings, Bears, Panthers, Falcons, football team, Eagles, and the and the Seahawks. Okay. We look at the Eagles schedule the rest of the way. I think they can win this Raiders game. I think they can beat the Lions. And then they have two games against the Giants, one game against the Jets two games against the football team. I think those are all winnable games and they're sitting at plus 400 to make the playoffs right now. And that's, that's a great better. Play. Yeah. So I'm totally, I put one unit on the Eagles to make the playoffs at plus 400 lines on draft kicks. In terms of this game, the Eagles are getting Lane Johnson back, which I really feel is going to help the offensive line. They're going to be able to move the ball. And I think this Raiders team comes back to earth a little bit for yep. that emotional game against the Broncos. And, um, the main thing with this Raiders team 
is they lead the league in explosive plays. That's plays over t- pass plays over 20 yards. The Eagles defense with how they play because they're able to generate pressure without rushing the quarterback. They just kind of hang everyone back. They're last in allowing explosive plays. So I think they're going to be able to limit, eliminate the big play capabilities of the Raiders offense. And I, the Raiders, in my eyes, they're just not, the offensive line isn't that good and they're not able to run the ball. Um, I think Sirianni is finally figuring out, hey, I have Miles Sanders here and he's able to do stuff when he gets the ball in his hands. So I think they're going to allow him to run the ball a little bit more. Um, I I locked it in at three and a half. When it drifted up to three and a half, I'm going to be on the money line here. I think the Eagles straight up win. Yeah, it's just funny because I don't think the Eagles are like a very good football team, but I, I I like them in this spot. And I totally agree with you in that the way their schedule plays out, it, it would not shock me if this team is right around 500 and battling for a spot, even though they're not a great football team on the field. Like there are a lot of things that you look at. And you, a couple of their game scripts are, are really weird because – like a game like the Chiefs, they played really well. A game like pretty well. A game like the the 49ers, they played pretty well. They lost those games. Then some of the games that like when they played the Panthers, they played like shit. And they shouldn't have won that game at all. Yet they did. And then even last week, they played like crap. I mean, for a lot of that game, th- there were not many metrics that show them looking good whatsoever. Uh, they they it was they got dominated in total yards, time of possession, all the major metrics. Tampa had seven penalties for 120 yards, which basically kept them in the game. Yet this team still, I, I like them in this spot. And I agree. I think that if you like them in this spot, from a pure value standpoint, a smart thing to look at is where, you know, what kind of a number can you get for their playoff? Eric mentioned 400 plus 400, four to one. Yeah, on DraftKings right now, I plus 400 put in this morning. Like, I, that's three winnable games and like you don't have to be a great games. this and that's the thing people get caught up too much in um uh, you know is this t like you don't have to be a great football team to win and you can be a good football team and lose yeah. right winning winning and losing the score is to me one of the least important things when i handicap and i think i think it is for you too when just you know from our conversations because that's why we go back and watch every play of the games and we do our rewatches and we look at the box score and then we read some of the stuff and then we see does what we watched in the rewatches match what the DVOA and the and the and the analytics say and then when they all meet and they come together we go yeah you know what this team isn't quite as good as that record or this team is a little bit better than their record is especially in football like i was mentioning earlier when you only have 16, 17 games, a team that wins two games that they shouldn't have or loses two games that they shouldn't have, that flips a whole, that could flip your whole year. Yeah. That changes everything. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean you're great or you're not. And this team is an example because I don't think they're one of the best teams in the league, but they could absolutely benefit from their schedule, from a coach who's figuring things out, from having a running quarterback who could maybe just escape and make some things happen. Let's see if the Eagles can get it done. And also, like, Raiders have some major injuries in their secondary. And I think that Smith and Rieger, I think these other guys are going to be able to um, get that exposed. I think I'm not high on Jalen Hurts. Me neither. I I think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater is. So I think I, well, he's going to be able I, to exploit that. The thing about Hurts is, like, if you were telling me, would you prefer, like, Hurts or someone like Teddy or even Sam, who we were just comparing them to, I, I think I'd probably take Hurts because of his legs. 
Like yeah. that was honestly, and it's not that any of them are great passers or that one or the uh, like. Sam's probably got the best of the like the he checks the boxes the most of those three guys where he can do a little bit of this and do a little bit of that, do a little bit of that. But Jalen at least can like if you if you're moving the ball down the field like he did last week, he helped them in a garbage time score a touchdown to cover the game and at least give them a, an opportunity where they were only down one score. You know, yeah. I, you know that he can kind of do that a lot of the times to pick up a first down here and there with his legs. Let's see if the Eagles can do it this week. Uh, plus the three on the road. If you can get those three and a half, those are great. They were around earlier, over under 49 in that one. We move to Lions Rams. We got the golf Stafford Bowl here. And man, yeah. I got to say it, a little, little disappointed because the, the Lions, the one thing that they had been all year long up until last week, even even when they got beat up in against the uh, the the Bears, that wasn't quite as dece- it was a little deceiving score. Last week was lifeless, man. That was that was bad, and you you wonder why they came out and played so bad and so flat after having played you know really hard in in each of the weeks prior. This team is still three and three against the spread, but they're zero and six now. They are a 15 point underdog playing the Rams and their old quarterback and coach Dan Campbell just called out Goff. He looked like he was going to cry again in the press conference when he said that he just and then he paused. That was a long pause, man. He's he just he just he just has to be better and lead better and just make more plays and I mean I I think Goff is going to, right? Like I think this week he's playing against his old team. He's got to come out and just get a little bit like, excited. This is why I'm a professional athlete. I have to come here. I have to play well. I have to do this. And in a game like this, I'm a Rams fan. There is no way in hell I would ever lay 15 points. But I don't know if I could back Detroit based off of what I saw last week, based off of the, the golf stuff. And, I mean, maybe he curls up in a ball this week. Maybe he does. He And he just... McVay might know all of his weaknesses and all of his tendencies. If he gets picked off once or twice early in the the line, you know, Donald, they know how to like to get him into some trouble. I'm staying well away from this game, but I would never recommend to anyone to lay points like this with the Rams. I mean, it's it's hard to lay that number, but Detroit, like they just looked awful. Like I rewatched. Oh man, I feel bad. Your voice, your sound, your sound sounds sad. You're so dejected. Talk I about the Lions here. You that, went to like I, the that was like I a when the parent says, I'm I'm not mad, I'm disappointed in my kid. That was like you right there. <laughs> when I worked out this morning, when I when I ran on the treadmill, that was the game on the TV. I rewatched that game and like it was a play early and uh Hawkinson was wide open for a touchdown on a wheel route and Goff just completely overthrew him. And then there was that play where it was fourth down and he runs away. He runs Circles to his right, his left. Excuse me. He just throws the ball out of bounds. Like I, like I don't understand what you're doing there. You know what I mean? Like it's fourth down. Try to do something. Try to make a play. Um, yeah, this team like didn't try at all. No effort. Completely lifeless. Uh, I just can't, can't bet them. You know what I mean? At least like with Houston, like I feel that they're giving an effort in trying. The players are. After what I saw with Detroit, there's no way I can take this number. I mean, the gambler in me tells me to do it because that's so many points. But with what I saw, I just I no, can't I can't do it. I mean, like, I expect Detroit's going to give Swift and Williams 
a million touches, try to limit. I'd be shocked if Goff threw the ball over 22 times this game. I think it's just going to be a heavy round of track, try to shorten the game as much as you can. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to do anything or disrupt the Rams' offense at all. I mean, even if it gets to a close game, like with how good the Rams are and how many playmakers they have, it could be it could just flip like that, like it did against the Giants game. You look up, they're up twenty one points. It's yeah, just... I think a lot of people kind of everybody was on the Rams after Tampa, and then a lot of people jumped off of them after they got beat up by Arizona and started saying, oh, maybe the Rams aren't that good, or maybe they're not. You know, when you dig in, the Rams are the number two graded team by Pro Football Focus overall, based on grading every one of their units, and they are the number three team in overall DVOA. They have the number three offense and the number four defense. Like that's that's about as well rounded as you're gonna get for 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 teams out there right now this year. We've talked about it. There's nobody that is unbelievably scary or incredible or feels like they're dominant on all sides or on all units. And this Rams team is probably about as close in the league as as any team is to being you know a complete team. I'm so I'm just terrified of of this game because. You know, like, like you said, it just if if the Rams were up by get beat the Lions by thirty or thirty five, it wouldn't shock me. But I think you're these are pro football players. Very rarely do you have a team get shellacked like they did last week and then come back and show nothing. Right? These guys have pride. Like they usually, you come back out and you show something the next week. We'll see if it's going to be enough to. And it's interesting because like when Campbell played for the Lions, they went zero and sixteen. Okay. <laughs> And now as a coach, he has like, what a game. He's like, it's like, oh, it's just mind-boggling to me. And he's here for a while, too, because they signed him to a six-year contract. And it's not – I thing. don't even like, think he's a bad coach yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't think he's, like, a great coach, but I think the jury is still out on him. You know, like, and I, I don't know. We can't really gauge. He's not – he doesn't have players. He has no real roster. And he actually got guys to play pretty hard for him in, in more than half of the game so far this year. But th- this is what ha- this is where it and, it goes now, right? Game last week, like he's going for two. The Bengals are taking knees. He's calling timeouts. He's trying to get the ball back when they're running the what? clock out. Yeah, I'm like, dude, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I wasn't invested on the under, but if I was on the under, oh, I yeah. would be pacing all over the place. It's like, dude, game's over, man. Let it go. Move on. But he's still. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. He's just mind boggling to me that team. Yeah, you feel bad. Uh, you feel bad. Th- this is like this is when you can lose a team, though. Right now, you know, you you battled hard for the first five weeks, then you get the crap kicked out of you, and now you got to go on the road and play a team that you're a two touchdown underdog against, a team that, like, you look and you see your old starting quarterback across the way, and now you're you've got the guy who is already getting crap, you know, crapped on and 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 shit talked all over. The, like the nothing about this game feels good for the Lions. Nothing. And I mean, like in terms of Stafford, like if he's there, this team probably has like three wins right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like because that's how good he is. You look at Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay was perceived as this top ten wide receiver when he played with Stafford. Now he's like He's been hurt a lot. He's like jack shit right now. You know what I mean? Like I, it just shows me. Like I knew they wasted Stafford's career. But it just shows me how much they truly did waste Stafford's career when he was there. And it kind of like Stafford leaving was kind of like when Verlander left the the Tigers. He gave 10 years. He gave all he could give. And now he wants to win a title. And I totally get it and respect it. But 
yeah, it's just disappointing as a Lions fan. We move to the Texans and the Cardinals. Oh, okay, so the two teams that I don't think are quite as good as their record are the Cardinals and the Ravens. And the Cardinals are 6-0 and right now. And the Cardinals beat up the Browns last week. Okay, they, di- they did. You get into that game, there were some absurd penalties called on the Browns. Some absolutely <laughs> absurd penalties. Oh, my. And you know what? Like, even at that point of the game, it was 30-16. to 16. It was a two-score game, and or it's thirty to fourteen, whatever it was. It was two. It was two possessions. It was still two possessions, and that play was second and seventeen, and so it was an incomplete pass, and the worst roughing the passing passer call that you have ever seen in history was called, and so instead of it being third and seventeen, when there was ten minutes left to go in the game, and Arizona was deep in their own territory, they're not going to try to go for that. They're just going to hand the ball off because they don't want to turn the ball over there and give the Browns great field position. So they would have actually, the Browns would have gotten the ball back with about 10 minutes left with decent field position and and down two scores. Does that mean they're going to win? No. How many times have we seen teams come back late? You score once, then the other team turns the ball over. Things change. Dude, that was, that was absurd. And, And in the first quarter, when you and I were talking, the Browns had seven penalties called against them in the first quarter. Now, I think four or five of them were stupid, silly penalties. They were they were actual pl- bad calls. But there were like two of them that were like, "What the hell was that? Why well, that was a pass interference?" And that's those are the things that I like to look at in games because penalties that aren't called, weird things that should have happened. Strike three that should have been a strike three that's not Those aren't those don't show up in the box score Those are things that you don't see Unless you're watching and you gotta take notes So Do I know like does that make me want to go Play the Browns this week well no The Browns are decimated by injury now It's tough to value them there but it just It makes me continually Undervalue this Arizona Cardinals team a little bit because that game last week, one of their big, big, big wins. That was an awesome game and an awesome win for them. They were missing their coach, right? Although that, that, that may have been a blessing in disguise with Cliff Kingsbury sometimes. Who knows how if they may have been better without him uh, being the head honcho there. But their other big win against the Rams was in a in a bad flat spot for the Rams. And then we've dug into this team. They could have lost three games this year. Yep. yep. I, and they I got... still don't think they're that great. And now... I, I'm I'm gonna do it. I think you you told me earlier in the week you did it, and I think I'm gonna do it, Eric. I think I'm backing the Texans and Davis Mills here plus well, the seventeen and a half. I got I I jumped the gun as soon as I got to seventeen. I locked it in. Tyrod's off IR. It's, there's a heavy possibility that Tyrod Taylor could be playing. If that's gonna happen, this line's gonna drop a little bit. It's not gonna get much higher than the seventeen or seven seventeen and a half. Um. Texans offense, it was cooking when Tyrod was in there. Um, and like, I, like I've said every time, they're going to try. They have old guys playing for their contracts. They're going to try. They're going to make an effort. Um, not what we saw with the Lions being such a young team and they quit. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, Cardinals have the Packers on deck on a short week. So if they get up early, you know what I mean? Like, they could just totally, like, pull back a little bit because as crazy as it sounds – that game could have by implications. 
You know what I mean? Buy or wild card or whatever. You know what I mean? Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker implications. You want. So those guys don't want to get hurt going into that game. So you could completely lay off the throttle in the fourth quarter if they're up and totally open for a back door at such a high number. Um, 17 and a half, man. That is way too. That's just too many points. Is that the biggest number we've seen this year so far? It is. It is. This is. you, you, You take it. You don't think about it. You move on and red zone witching hour, you kind of hope, you kind of see, oh, touchdown, down to yep. 10, down to 14. I'm close. That's what you hope for. So that, that's what you hope for. One interesting thing, though, that one of my guys, one of my old heads made a comment to me. He goes, he thinks Kingsbury finally has the weapons that he wants for this offense, and we're kind of seeing what his vision was. He doesn't have to force it quick guys. to yeah. hot pants all the time. That's what happened yeah. last. I think it was, I think I've seen the target. Uh, share for Hopkins last year was over 30 and this year it's like it's in the 15 16 ish literally like half because he's mm-hmm. spreading it around to the, so many other options so many other receivers more has been the one that's kind of jumped on and you know what they've got a couple like I don't think either of their running backs are you know like someone who you'd want to be your number one every down back but they're both pretty solid like they got a couple different backs that are fine back there. They've got Murray, obviously, who's going to run the ball too. Now you br- you brought in AJ Green, who, who you know, he's not the same guy he used to be, but he's still he can like they co- the wide receivers complement each other well now, right? Like you've got an AJ there who can be a little bit of a possession. You've got Hopkins who can do everything for you. Then you've got some of the sort of smaller stretch the field really fast receivers and that that can kind of do the gimmick stuff for you. So you're right, like their weapons. Are still are are much better. That doesn't mean this team they they could still be a three and three team instead of a six oh, and zero sure. team very very easily. But but that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Like we we get hard on coaches sometimes in in you know year one or year two, and because a lot of coaches are stubborn and they don't change, but some do. Some do improve. Some do learn from their mistakes. Some do grow. And so far. Other than that freaking that kicking that trying to kick that extra point that should have cost them against the Jaguars that really should have like the last couple games it doesn't feel like there have been things that Arizona has done to shoot themselves in the foot and um, yeah I just no way I can lay seventeen and a half points with any team ever and just let's do it take it move on. <laughs> My uh, my girlfriend Stephanie calls them whenever the Texans are on. She always will call them the Oilers, you know. Just to she'd be like, "You mean the Houston Oilers?" And so I call them the Texan Oilers now. Like it's like an inside joke for when she'll walk by and she'll be like, "Do you need the Oilers today?" And so we're gonna be needing the Houston Texan Oilers coming up this uh this Sunday as uh yeah big big dogs on the road. We move along to Bears Buccaneers. This is one of the afternoon Sunday games. And Bears Bucks is currently at 12 and a half. Tampa's a 12 and a half point favorite here over under at 47. In this one, the Bears, their defense is solid. They're the number seven defense in DVOA. They're number 20 overall in DVOA. Uh, Tampa is the number fourth ranked team um, in DVOA. This is just, this is a big number. You know, that, that game last week, probably a little deceiving. Like Tampa, I think, Probably should have covered covered that game. They ended up not. They're a team that is only two and four against the spread so far this year. They're they've kind of started to suffer from what the Patriots and Tom Brady and a lot of the 
the Lakers and the Cowboys and the popular teams suffer from. It's just that, you know, they're the Super Bowl winner. Their lines are probably always a, a point or two higher than they should be. So for the most part, I'm I'm very rarely on Tampa, and I just I can't lay twelve and a half here. That feels like too big of a number. I could see Chicago just with their defense, just kind of keeping this game this sort of like ugly, you know, where it's twenty seven to seventeen, you know, something along those lines. I'm I'm staying away because I think Tampa probably wins, but I don't I don't. Chicago is one of my least favorite teams to back Just because They are so ugly Like offensively And their defense is like They're stopping people but I still don't think They're that great I They're a team that I have to be in the right situation Really to play and this may be it Like I definitely am not laying the points with Tampa But Yeah I'm, I'm staying away here Yeah like I'll probably be on the Bears as much as it pains me to say this, but it's just one of those things. Like the Bears, they can get to the quarterback. Are they gonna if they can create some pressure? I think this game will be close. I think I expect Fields to be a little bit more mobile. That way, they're able to run the ball a little bit because they, that they're sixty forty right now in terms of run to pass ratio. They're playing at a slow pace. That's going to help keep the game closer. And that game against the Packers, like I said, that was a lot closer than people realize. That was a three-point game until that last touchdown. So, yeah, I expect this game to be a little closer, like you said, within 10. I'll probably be on the Bears. I'll wait to see if I can get a better number because everyone's going to be betting the the Bucks. Yeah, nobody's going to – like, nobody's excited to go bet the Bears here. This this game could float – I mean, crazier things than that have happened than this game ending up at 14 with, with, with it already being a huge number like that. But anything over 10 would be too much to, to – but to lay on the Bucks, I just, yeah, I, I, if you like the Bears, yeah, this isn't a terrible number to take. But if you wait a little bit, you might get a much better number. So, you know, play. How bad the um, Bucks secondary is? Oh, they're really totally bad. Open for a, totally open for a backdoor cover, like we huh. saw with the um, with the Eagles on on last Thursday. So yeah, yep. you totally just bet the Bears and you know try to get the best numbers you can. We have a final two games Sunday and Monday night Sunday night we have the Colts Playing the San Francisco 49ers 49 it's funny, It feels like the 49ers haven't played in like a year You know it's yeah. like, Gosh they just had that one bye week But uh, Lance eh, They should have They should have Been right in that game And absolutely covered against Arizona Very easily could have beat Arizona The Colts You know they're starting to play better, I think, sort of quietly. Um, you, you you dig into this Colts team, Eric. This is a team that you and I were actually high on in the summer before yep. getting into training camp. We thought that, you know what, you bring in Carson Wentz with his old staff, with Frank Reich. Now, you, you look at the rest of the, the units on this team. You know, their defense is, was pretty good. Their secondary, unfortunately, is really banged up right now. And we find out that they have a set, uh, an injury to a, a safety, which is going to really hurt them. But, you know, coming into the year, the, you looked at the way the Colts team were built. If they have a quarterback, this was a playoff team last year. Um, you know, they're a good team. They have the opportunity to, again, be that kind of a 10-win team, win the division. And then Wentz is hurt. All the weird stuff about the vaccination Their linemen end up getting hurt 
the the T.Y. Hilton ends up getting hurt All this in training camp And so the the season couldn't have started Any worse For the Colts Any worse So they end up you know losing Then then their game the Rams early in the year You backed them that week They honestly should have beat the Rams They drove inside the 10 yard line Three times in the first quarter And scored no points out of that None And they ended up losing that game by a field goal And then what ends up happening The next week they Wentz gets hurt He hurts both of his ankles And so they play the Titans He's got two sprained ankles He couldn't do anything at all Like he could barely even move He shouldn't have been out there We were like why is this guy playing Now since then They beat the Dolphins They come back and they The best game that they've played All year is the game on Monday night against the Ravens When they really should have won that game And they lost because of the kicker issues And then their kicker has to go on IR Wentz I mean this team is 4-2 against the spread And they could be 4-2 straight up They very they like they If you told me they beat the Rams and the Ravens Those are two good teams that they could have beat And when you look through their Week by week The weeks that they didn't play that well It kind of makes sense because they had a bad you know, bad preparation. They had a quarterback that was really banged up and stuff. Now they've got Hilton back. They have Wentz. I I told you last week. You know his numbers when you dig them in, dig into them from last week. They don't look very good. I think there were four or five wide receiver drops, wide yep. open drops that were not his fault at all. And he's actually stretching the ball down the field. Which he didn't even try to do in some of the first few weeks He'll throw the ball 20-30 yards down the field He lo- he just l- win or lose And if they're good or if they're not He looks a million times more healthy right now Than he did three weeks ago or a month ago I, I don't think the Colts are that bad of a team I really don't And I don't know what the hell this 49ers team is right now They're coming off a bye So they may have had a lot more time to figure things out with Lance Throw some extra packages in there for him Shanahan's super good at that kind of thing I just still don't know If to think the 49ers are that great That You know the secondary problems for the Colts Is Lance going to be able to make them pay is, is, is he the type of Team that can pick on them If they're missing you know pieces back there I don't know I'm taking the Colts here Plus the four Is Lance even playing Like I don't know like, Is it Lance or Jimmy G I don't think you know Because no we're recording yeah, we're you recording this still on early Thursday So again, you guys will know by Sunday and into Sunday night what's going to happen But let, let me say this I don't care which quarterback it is <laughs> I I don't, like, Jimmy G is, I think, a a more winning It'll probably help, like, the floor of the 49ers But in my handicap of this particular game I'm just kind of more handicapping what the Colts are doing right now and how I sort of see them start coming starting to come together. And I think with just like what you said, Lance, Garoppolo stuff, we don't know what's been happening. There have just been weird things happening with San Francisco all year. Like what the the you you hit on the Brandon Ayuk stuff really early on in the season that there was weird vibes with him in training camp. And then Sermon. They dr- what the hell has been going on with that guy? Like, why yeah, I mean, is he just bad, or do they not like him? Is it a combination of both? He's not getting on the field at all, even when you've got a bunch of other running back injuries. They're playing like Elijah Mitchell and these guys that were way, way lower draft picks. There's just some weird, kind of weird stuff happening over there. It just doesn't make sense. I really think Shanahan's 
digressed as a play caller, as crazy as it sounds. I don't think he's really putting calling the games like he used to back in the day. Um, they totally should have won that game against the uh, the Cardinals. I just don't trust the San Francisco team. And like you hit in the head, Colts are playing a lot better. Um, Jonathan Taylor's playing at an insane level right now. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on the um, on the 49ers. And with the injuries that the Colts have in the uh, in the back four, I really don't think it matters who's playing quarterback. I don't think they're going to be able to exploit it. Right now it's sitting at the four. I'll probably wait um, and kind of see what's what's going to happen with uh, with the number. Like maybe I can get a four and a half, but I'm definitely going to be interested in the Colts in this situation. Yep, me too. I already locked in the four. At anything like anything over three, I'm I'm fine with the Colts. You know, three and a half, four. It, maybe it goes up a little bit, but I I think it's a good spot for them right now. As uh, we move to the Monday night football game, we have another team coming off a bye. And hey, Gino, 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 he uh, hey helped us get at least a little bit of a decent taste in our mouth. I think I sent you a message uh, like as it was happening, and I was like, there is no way. We're covering this game based on the way my results have gone earlier today. Yet somehow he uh, he helped us out. Now the Seahawks are a four and a half point underdog at home on Monday night. The Saints four and a half to five point favorite road favorite over under in this game. Just 43 Saints coming off a bye. They are the number eight ranked team overall in DVOA. Number 17 offense, number three defense. But I it's funny. I still don't think I know who this team is. Eric, this is still a team that, you know, their win against the Patriots is not as good as it looked on paper. Their win against the Packers was definitely a situation where the Packers just no showed and didn't show up. Their win against the Washington football team was perhaps one of the most deceiving games of any game this year. When you when you look at the score and what really happened in that game. So I'm not like Lining up to go bet the Saints as a five-point favorite on the road here. I I just haven't been, like, last week was the template for the Seahawks to cover in that game against a, a Pittsburgh team that we don't think is that great. I, I mean, I don't think the Saints are that great either, but I, I could see their defense turning Geno over a little bit more here in the Seahawks. Like, this, this game to me is a major stay away because at the, at the number – I would never lay that number with the Saints. If you if I had to make a pick here, it would always be on the Seahawks side. I just don't know if I want to go back to them again. I I'm not excited about what I see from them offensively, defensively, eh, and and I, I don't love the Saints, so I'm staying away. I mean, it felt a little dirty covering that game. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it it, I felt it a did. little dirty. It did. And with how Sunday went, I didn't it, I didn't care. I loved it. Um but yeah, to me, it's Seahawks are nothing here. Like, there's nothing that Jameis Winston has done in his NFL career that gives me confidence betting him playing points on the road in Seattle. And Seattle, that's still a tough place to play, man. You know what I mean? Like, the crowd's going to be rocking. I can see some Winston turnovers. Yeah, to me, it's it's Seattle or nothing. Seattle or nothing for both of us on uh, Monday Night Football as we finish up. Eric, dude, it's week seven, man. Holy smokes. We are flying along through this NFL season. We're already into the NBA season. We, I know. We, we already tipped off. 
the other night and uh, later into the end uh, into the uh, the year we'll uh, we'll talk some uh, some more NBA with Eric and uh, if he's up for it when the NFL season finishes we'll transition right into like what we were doing last uh, year where we were doing our weekly NBA who's hot who's not segment so man Eric what a what a fun time uh, baseball playoffs Ugh, my Dodgers struggling a little bit right now but we got those happening basketball College basketball about to start NFL and college football going on Hockey in the mix Just so many options As uh, I'd imagine you're going to be talking about Some of those things this weekend on your podcast Yeah um, This week on the podcast uh, Talk about Ben Simmons And the Marvin Bagley Situation Some NASCAR talk and then I usually give a Review of the Thursday night game So that's kind of what's on tap for uh, And some fantasy football talk for this week's podcast yeah, I was on uh, with Eric last week. I mean, the whisperer, dude. You're the tight end there we, whisperer, man. Er, 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 er. We were barking like the Seal Jones and uh, Hunter Henry there. We got a couple. Uh, Henderson didn't, didn't do bad either out of the backfield. So, yeah, if you're someone who likes to play DFS, if you build a lineup for uh, NFL week, uh, NFL each week, make sure to tune into Eric's podcast before. Just throw it on. It'll be, you know, 20, 30-minute segments where Eric and a guest will go through how they're planning on building their lineup for the weekend They'll give you, you know, they'll go through each position um, Talk about a couple different players to use A couple players to target, to build around The conversation is a lot like this Eric would kind of throw out a player to me We'd kind of say, yeah, no, do we like them, do we not we kind of, you know, go through who, who we thought had opportunities to have good weeks Who we thought were fades So make sure to check out uh, Eric's show there And everything that he has pumping out Because you've heard Eric for years now on this show Anything that he's uh, that he's doing, it's always going to be very, very well done. A lot of hard work and a lot of research put into it, buddy. Thank you so much again for uh, for helping out early this week. We moved, so again, we're recording early Thursday. This show will be out on Friday, and you guys will be hearing a lot of this uh, on Friday. So if anything has changed between Thursday to Friday, that is why. And uh, we will continue to update you on Sunday every morning. You can uh, every Sunday morning you can come and hang out with us. At 11 a.m. Eastern time for fourth and inches, we spend about an hour going over the entire Sunday slate. Me, Eric, it's uh, usually two other guests, some uh, anyone from BTV. Sometimes it's Beho, Blackjack, Mantis has been in the mix there before, Leo. And uh, it, what's nice about that, Eric, is we get to have conversations that were kind of similar to today. But at that point, we know all of the injuries, what the numbers are finalizing at. We know like where the money's been pouring in. We get just a, a weather stuff. We can really have like a full finalized conversation about all these games. Yeah, we we know where everything is. We know we just know a lot more intel, which is always great because the closer you get to game time, the more intel you know. And we also like the numbers kind of settled. So like we could be able to get like a three and a half with the Giants or the three with the Dolphins Maybe so, a seven and a half with the Jets even you Yeah know. so stuff kind of settles down A little bit we can give you guys like a better A better thought and then also like The way people Look at stuff is different you know like The way like you and I Tend to be a little bit more number driven Those other guys Tend to look at stuff a different way so Like you can get different perspectives and You know if you agree with one of us Lock it in and you know just 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 learn and you know you're never too old enough to learn i've learned more this past year and a half doing this than i have probably years before and it's it's great because then you can make some money and uh we will try to make some money this week here are a couple of the games that i am looking at eric 
Um, Jets at plus seven is okay, but seven and a half obviously would be much better. The Bengals, I did lock in plus six and a half. I would love to get a seven out there if we could later in the week. Giants plus three, obviously, if you can find the three and a half, sir, if you get a three and a half, I'm not sure if that will exist. And then Colts plus the four. Those are the spots for me that I, I like the most this week. I like the Texans as much as it sucks. I like the effing Texans. Um, I like the Dolphins. I like the Giants. Yeah, I'm going to get dirty this week like I always do and look to bounce back. Love the Bengals, too, hoping to get that seven. We're going to be getting dirty here, and hopefully you come hang out with us again on Sunday morning. Uh, follow me. It's me, Gino B. Uh, follow Eric there, ETOP21Sports, and come hang out with us at BTV Bets. On uh, on Sunday morning Eric thank you so much buddy Hope you have a great west, rest of your day And uh, good luck this weekend Thanks you too man Let's cash some tickets Let's do it folks Don't go anywhere Still plenty more to discuss On this episode of That's What G Said Horse racing fans Many of us have been Using the DRF The daily racing form For years Studying the races Keeping up to date on news With all the articles I remember looking for a copy At the local liquor store Or picking one up At the local racetrack Wherever I was going Now it's even easier And cheaper than ever To use DRF With DRF.com And the newly optimized DRF mobile You can get all the tracks That you want to bet And handicap Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. DRF.com for all of your past performances, the best information in horse racing at Daily Racing Form, uh, DRF.com and 
Now they're going to be transitioning into the world of sports Next week we're going to actually have an interview With uh, someone from DRF Sports on this show To tell you a little bit about DRF Sports What they have for you over there All sorts of uh, content Game previews, gambling information Podcasts, videos You'll hear more about DRF Sports Next week here on That's What G Said Podcast You're going to hear about Stable Duel right now And uh, Stable Duel For the rest of the week Has a deposit bonus for new players If you deposit 15 You will get a $15 bonus You'll basically get a free roll A free game When you download that Stable Duel app And you deposit 15 They will match your deposit up to 15 Take a look at the schedule of games Coming up this weekend On Saturday, Delaware, Golden Gate Keeneland and Santa Anita Four tracks Eight different contract uh, contests at those tracks. There's a free ride at Keeneland that you can play for totally for free. Um, you can play in games from five bucks at Golden Gate all the way up to what 250 in the the Santa Anita game on Sunday. Gulfstream, Golden Gate, Keeneland, Laurel, Santa Anita, Woodbine. Six tracks, eight contests from five bucks all the way up. To 350 in the Keeneland 350 winner take all That is on Sunday Over at Stable Duel Get those entries in And play, race, win We head over To Keeneland We're going to play in some of those Saturday Keeneland contests But we're also going to play some uh, some Races Individually at Keeneland on Saturday Get your past performances out for October the 23rd We're going to look at races 7, 8, 9, and 10 On the Keeneland Saturday card I am flipping to the 7th race first And I'm going to talk about the number 9 in here Runway Magic So Runway Magic is going to go Third start off the long layoff Third start for the new barn This guy looks like he's stepping forward nicely You know, you go through his career Debuts Just put a line right through it Then comes back in his second start Runs a good third Wins, breaks his maiden Career start number three Takes a shot against Stakes Company at Gulfstream Park Runs into the very, very talented Drain the clock And then takes a shot in the Sam Davis Things go wrong Sent to the bench from February to August Shows back up in August for new connections Needs the race They take a shot on the grass Comes back in his second start off the bench Runs really well Much improved Showed a lot more speed Beat a first level allowance group At Churchill Downs by 3 And earned a big figure in doing so I think Runway Magic Can sit a very nice trip From the outside In a race that looks like there's a, a pretty good amount of speed on paper, right? You'd imagine that the one soup and sandwich who I like as a horse, but going seven furlongs from the rail off the bench, that's a brutal way to come back when you have, you know, other speed drawn to the outside of you, like Boca Boy, who you think is going to be close up early. We'd have to imagine that, uh, you know, the seven Irish Unity is going to be pretty close and forwardly placed in this spot. I, I don't think the eight Cool Quest is going to be too far out of it. Should set up nicely for Runway Magic to sit the trip from the outside. The number nine, who is twelve to one on the morning line, anything around six to one is a fair price for me. As we move to the eighth, and this is another instance where I just think there is a ton of speed on paper in this race. So I'm gravitating toward a horse who I think is, you know, has a little bit of versatility. I don't want to be, I don't want a stone cold closer. Um, I'm looking for someone who might be able to kind of 
put themselves in striking range, maybe make a middle move. I get to Argentello. So I, I feel like Mr. Dumas is going to be close up. Big Agenda shouldn't be far. Pirate's Pun shouldn't be far. You're going to get pace from Silver and Lie. You're going to get pace from Spectacular Gem and Mega City. They'll all be showing speed. Busy Channel is going to be forwardly placed in here too. And even Big Dreaming. Combinations of any of them could all be on the front end. The only real true closer in this race is Argentello, and he has shown that he can move early and be positioned a little bit closer if need be. He's coming out of a couple graded stakes races, so this is major class relief for him in here. He's 8-1 to on the morning line. That's a great stable dual play because I think he's going to be getting bet down, and he'll probably be more like 4-5-1. to The number 7, Argentello for me. Going to be in all exotics. English B is another one who I'll probably include because English B showed some speed last time out, but he's not fast. It's not as if he's going to be on the lead in here or anything like that. As we move to the Raven Run, the Grade 2 Lexus Raven Run, I've mentioned Super Sensational many times on this show before. I'm a big fan of her as a horse, and I do think she is probably the most likely winner of this race. I don't love the draw. I'll still put her on top slightly because... From a trip standpoint, I like the her running style and how it should play out against this group. But I don't like where she's drawn because if she does get shuffled back a little bit, that's going to hurt. I wouldn't mind if she was a little wide and kept in the clear, but you know we'll see what kind of trip they're going to be able to work out with her for Santana, who has had an awful meet. So just don't want to take a too short of a price on her. I, I wouldn't want to take any shorter than around four to one because I'm I'm a little bit worried about the draw there. The seven and the eight are the others that I would include in the Raven run. Um Scylla, who I think because of her draw, Scylla beat Super Sensational last time out. Why can't she come right back again and and kind of fall into a good trip? Scylla, the number eight, Caramel Sorrel, probably like the measuring stick for this race. She'll flash a little speed and you know she'll take them as far as she can go. I don't really know how good she is though. That's why I keep coming back to Super Sensational. I feel like she's the the most quality filly in here. I just wish she was drawn post eight instead of post three. Moving along to the tenth and our final uh, couple horses we want to discuss on Saturday's card at Keeneland. The number one Nathan Detroit. I feel like he's going to run a lot better in here. You sort of look at his running. His running style and his past performances And running lines And you can make some legitimate excuses For races where he had a slow start Some of the uh, the layoff lines not Never really putting a whole bunch of races together And so I think he will take a massive step forward Second start off the bench He hadn't raced since June And he raced only in May and June And it looked like something might have gone wrong Because he packed it in very early in June Nathan Detroit Going to be on most exotics But I will slightly lean towards Santin who was just he was awesome in his debut at Indiana Grid. He had an okay start. He didn't go on with the top group, so he ended up settling in sixth, maybe about eight or nine lengths off in the inside. And he was in behind horses. He was in a tight spot. He tipped off the rail a little bit, and then he he started the move three, four wide in between horses. A huge move. Up to take the lead and opened up late. Fifth place finisher came out of that race to win a maiden special weight at Indy. Next time out, the number six, Santin, was visually really impressive. I'm going to be using him in all of my exotics. As we move from Keeneland Saturday over to Santa Anita Saturday, 
Don't forget about those Santa Anita Pick'em contests. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Totally free to enter $1,000 to the winner. And these contests are 12 questions that are props. So if you like horse racing, if you're a fan of football, college football, basketball, hockey, just a big sports fan, you'll really be able to test your knowledge here. There are a couple of questions that involve basketball and the card at Santa Anita for Saturday. A couple questions that involve college football. There's a hockey over-under on there. There are questions that you know ask how many wins will a certain jockey have on a card. So... One thing to keep an eye on every Saturday and Sunday right now, pick'em.sananita.com, totally free to sign up for those contests. There is a really cool charity poker tournament at Santa Anita on Saturday, and it benefits Folds of Honor. Foldsofhonor.org provides scholarships to spouses and children of America's fallen and disabled service members. What an incredible cause. If you have the means to do so, please donate to them. For $300, you get a buy-in and you get to play in this charity poker tournament. So you get a full day at the races, a night of No Limit Texas Hold'em, bounty prizes, splash pools, drink tickets, food stations, silent auction, challenge coin. If you're not into poker but you want to go hang out, 50 bucks to do so, or you can just donate. Um, you go to and the place to do so, foldsofhonor.org. So if you're in the Santa Anita area on Saturday, head on out. Five o'clock is when everything gets started, and five o'clock is when you can start having some fun, start getting involved in that charity poker tournament bounties. If you can knock out some uh, some of the uh, the name players there, Sananita.com for all the information, and it's a great great cause. Big things happening this weekend at Sananita. We've got three best bets for you, and all three of them come in that. Contest uh, the the pick'em contest that's very very fun and really difficult in the opener at Santa Anita. Let's get the past performances out for October the twenty third. Maiden fifty thousand claimers a mile on the turf course. I like the three Riviera champ who's going to go two sprints to a route now drops in class and I, I was expecting her to improve in her second start and she did on or he did on numbers and speed figures. I keep saying she he um, but it wasn't. Visually all that much And I think that he just wants to go a little bit longer He feels and he looks like a horse Who should improve with this stretch out In distance I think any improvement at all Will make him really tough in here So third start Slight drop in class Riviera champ is the one for me I'll use the three over The six Hannigan who's damn one going long On the turf The eight State of the Union first time gelding trying the grass for the first time. The one lookout point who's a major player just off of the the turf form against better. And the 10 Roy C. uh, Three over, six, one, eight, and 10. Moving along to the. See, like the fifth race is a race that's in the contest. I would never give a horse like this out, but I do think the six big summer is going to be really tough in there as a very short price favorite. So. I'll just take the chalk in that contest And I will spread out in, in other places But the 7th race I'm looking at the number 6 in here And I'm looking at Majestic Eagle So there is not A whole lot of proven closers In this short field Neptune Storm wants to be on the front end Or close Order in Law has the blinkers coming on They're going to want to be close Shooter Shoot first time on the turf he can pass horses. He's one of two that I think is going to be sitting. Lambeau is going to go. Double-double. 
Dubba Dubby is going to be going That's a pace player there Majestic Eagle gets the setup Is he a win machine? No But he's coming off of a, a pretty good fourth In a really tough race over at Kentucky Downs He always shows up with a good effort He just doesn't win a whole ton I think he catches a group Where he could fall into a beautiful spot The number six Majestic Eagle He is 5-1 to one on the morning line If we can get anything around 7-2 to two, I'll make a win wager on that one That's the number 6 Majestic Eagle In race number 7 As we move to the ninth and final I like the two Booze Runner in here Booze Runner debuted Against Maiden Special Weights On August the 21st at Del Mar He was in a race behind Ain't Easy Ain't Easy came out of that race To win the grade 2 Chandelier And is one of the best 2 year old fillies In training the dam of this guy, Booze Runner, of this gal, Booze Runner, was a grade three winner, graded stakes placed, four wins on the turf. So she does have a, a decent little turf pedigree. And Booze Runner is a pace factor. She's going to be starting on the grass now for the second time. She's going to be starting for this bar now for the second time. So they'll probably figure her out a little bit more. She was asked for speed from the inside. And she was up to contend, but she was in a little bit tight She battled through on the inside She ended up taking the lead at the top of the lane And then she tired because she Kind of was forced a little bit from the inside And now She's speedy, she again draws uh, Draws an inside post I think the game plan has to be Let's try to put her right on the front end In a race where there's not much other proven speed We don't know what some of these other firsters Are going to do, but we get a feeling That booze runner We'll like to run for that booze And uh, hopefully we can get anything around 8-1 to one. You know, um, half of the price on booze runner would be fine In here So I do think she's going to get bet down I wouldn't want to take anything lower than like 5 or any at all Like 5 to 8 would be the range where I would like her 8 feels like it's still plenty of value to play You don't want to start taking underlays But she shouldn't be 15 I just don't think, you know, she should be a short price in here Booze runner We'll try to close it out with the two at Santa Anita on Saturday Before we get to Sunday Santa Anita We want to let you know about Full service realtor Cindy Carava At the website CindyCarava.com C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com She can help you out in many different ways Buying, selling, leasing She can help connect you to people Like uh, vendors, like Gardeners, landscapers, people that she has used in her own home That can help you with home improvement Maybe you need help with a loan She'll connect you with the right kind of lender that will get you pre-approved CindyCarava.com is the website And she is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet Make sure to contact her when you need anything at all in the world of real estate CindyCarava.com we move to Santa Anita for Sunday And we're going to take a look at the card For Sunday, October the 24th Get those past performances out I've got some thoughts on races 1, 4, 7, 8, and 9 Yeah, here we go October the 24th Santa Anita Sunday Race number 1 Couple horses I'm looking at in this Maiden 50 claimer The the 8 Aurelian man Yeah, he's the one to beat He comes out of a race with a couple next out winners I've been a little disappointed in his last two races Yeah, they were maiden specials He's back in versus maiden claiming Wasn't like the strongest maiden special weight in the world Two back Last time out there were two next out winners That came out to win maiden special weight So that race has come back live so far So based on that He's probably the one to beat in here I did think Santos to Wilson Was a little interesting Trying the turf uh, one more time After showing uh, not much in the career debut Sprinting that was 
just a career debut, did show a lot more speed in three starts on the dirt. So if he's able to transfer some of that speed over to the turf, he could show up with a pretty good effort. I'll use the six and the eight in some of the early exotics. I'll hook them up in some exactas and play them in some multis. As we move to race number four, we've got Calbred Maiden Special Weights in here. These are two-year-old fillies going six furlongs on the main track. Uh, I like the seven, Bonnie Bray, quite a bit. The dam of this one, Mally Girl won her first two starts. This uh, this full, uh, this dam has produced six winning dirt siblings. Two of them won first time out of the box. So good success on the dirt. Sh- uh, showed some precocity. Very steady work tab for a very capable first time out barn. Checks a lot of the boxes that you'd want for a first time starter. Bonnie Bray, the number seven in race number four at Santa Anita on Sunday. That one's four to one on the morning line. If you can get anything around five to two, that feels pretty fair. As we move to race number seven, and I promise, folks, this isn't just one of those hunch plays on the names. I like the number four, Laker Mamba here, who's going to take a pretty good drop in class and who's going to go third start off the bench, third start off the pretty good layoff and third start of the form cycle. Look at the races at fairgrounds last year. You know, you have the race going a mile on the turf and the seven and a half furlongs on the turf. Those were good efforts. Now, in the two starts out here in Southern California might have been in a little bit too tough. They're just trying to find out where he fits, where he stacks up. And I think it's right here. Laker Mamba is four, uh, five to one on the morning line. Anything over seven to two is worthy of a win wager for me as we move to the short field of the Anokia stakes. But I actually do like the maiden in here, the number two, Lady T, who was behind Benedict Canyon on September the 5th. But Lady T... Should get a better setup in this race Because I'd imagine that Benedict Canyon Is going to want to show speed She's about a mover Is going to want to show speed And the one, Ida, because of the inside draw She'll likely be forced to show speed And that should set up nicely For Lady T Who broke outward, was a little green early And that ended up getting her trapped behind horses She was being asked to keep up a little bit early on She was about 5 lengths off She was 5th of 8 in that group and then she she started to respond. She started the move at the top of the lane. She was traveling very well. She angled to the outside, and she just missed. Gets a ton of pace to chase in this race. The number two, Lady T, who is four to one on the morning line. Anything around three to one feels fair on Lady T. As we head to the ninth and final at Santa Anita on Sunday, open maiden special weights going six furlongs on the turf course. I love the nine in here. Uh, the 10, excuse me. I love a horse, but I don't know the number. Dancing Rinka. The dam of this one, Entreshot, was 3 for 13 on the turf, won her second start going 6.5 furlongs down the hill at Santa Anita. This isn't down the hill, but 6 furlongs, a similar type trip. She was grade 3 placed, earned 170000 Dancing Rinka is really fast. In his debut, he was behind Corniche, and he broke with Corniche. He was running with him, but Corniche started to stretch his legs, and then Dancing Rika grabbed a hold and tried to take back, and then he got caught kind of in between. He couldn't re-rally. He couldn't come on again. I feel like there's a lot of talent and a lot of speed with Dancing Rika. Rinka, I'm expecting this one to pop the gate from the outside. The lone sib, Blue Balloon, came back to win career start number two. Nice pedigree. 
for a barn who is very capable with horses after a race or two should improve on the turf. Exits a tough group uh, on the gr- um, one of the better two year olds that we've seen, uh, Corniche. So in race number nine, the number ten, Dancing Rinka. That is Sunday over at Santa Anita. Best of luck in all of your Sunday wagers there at Santa Anita. Before we head into our wrestling with Chad Cooper. We want to let you know a little more about our friends over at sarahcandles.com. C-E-R-A candles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. Holiday season's coming up. What better gift than a candle? You can find different scents for all members of the family, all of your friends. Let's hear more about sarahcandles.com. So you want to set the mood for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic, baby, since for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby, to spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. A little later in the week edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper Because normally when Chad and I record It's on Thursday early in the the morning Sort of early afternoon This week it would have been right when Crown Jewel was going on So we decided, you know what, let's wait Since they've actually treated the pay-per-view They've actually treated it like a big pay-per-view And it was an Excellent show it's it's a little weird You know with uh, Saudi Arabia as we Bring uh, Chad Cooper in we're gonna go through Like we do each and every week we're gonna talk about What's going on in WWE so we'll Talk about crown jewel Specifically and what everything coming out of there We'll get into NXT we'll get into AEW We won't talk a whole lot about Demos I'm not a fan about <laughs> I, hear, <laughs> I, I hear demos uh, All over the place and I see Demos and uh, and stuff like that I'm kind of sick of those those word, you know that word, and maybe Ray, this is where ratings were a few years ago. Demos were that. We're gonna talk a lot about the wrestling stuff and the shows and the things that we liked. And uh, Chad, I gotta say, like, kind of, it felt weird the first couple times when they were doing the Saudi Arabia shows when they were very like propaganda stuff they would show all throughout. You know, they they had a little video or two like that for this show, but they've kind of toned those down a little bit and. I generally try not to get into the political stuff because for the most part, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about with these things, you know, like politically about other countries and what's going on. So I steer clear. What I liked about this show in that sense, though, the the first couple of these Saudi Arabia shows, I think there's one that I remember where it literally looked like some of the people in the audience were. Like members of the royal family Or like political figures They were not Fans of wrestling or people who would have Wanted to be at a wrestling show And some of the shows suffered Because the crowd responses weren't that great This one was completely Different there were kids People with t-shirts on they were doing Chants in English like 
I mean, this felt like a WrestleMania SummerSlam kind of crowd, and I think the wrestlers, everybody responded to that crowd. The opening match set the tone, uh, not to take anything away from the pre-show match that we had with the Usos and the Hurt Business, which was a you know a solid match. But from from the opening match on, it just it was it was an amazing show. I anti WWE. I don't I don't care what you think kudos to this company for putting on uh, a show like that in the middle of the day and just dominating social media uh, worldwide, not just the United States. Yeah. And, and Gino, I tell you what, e- even the matches I'm, I rolled my eyes at on paper and said, and eh, Goldberg and Lashley is just going to be tragically bad over delivered. Yeah, I, I don't think Zelina Vega and Dewdrop will get will be any good, and it, it was surprisingly good for for the time they got. Yep, this show was uh, definitely the show of the year this far for WWE, and definitely the agree. number one crown jewel of of the previous ones they've had. Well, and what they did with this show that felt a little bit different, and it it might have hurt a week or two of the TV, but. It made this event better. They built to this event like they would of a normal pay per view, and in and you know in some of the past years, this was kind of like a side pay per view that would be like multiple storylines going on. They'd they'd have a couple things set up for for this, and then one or two of them they didn't even really put a lot of booking in. They would just kind of throw the matches on paper. Remember Ricochet had a match against Brock Lesnar in one of them for the yeah. for the title. Um, that just kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, I'd love that, but that was so. This actually was different in that everything was building to matches that were going to be had at Crown Jewel, and you could tell with the quality of these matches. I mean, very, very good from top to bottom. As you mentioned, the uh, Hell in a Cell match right off the bat. I think this they said this was the the 50th Hell in a Cell match in uh, in WWE history, and um. I mean, this isn't a, oh my gosh, this just happened, so I'm going to go crazy and react to it. This is in the five to ten best Hell in a Cell matches you've ever seen. And if you def- if you want to say five for sure, I don't think you're being crazy about it. These two guys have an incredible chemistry. Incredible. I, I And I was thinking about it. Like, they might be each other's best opponents that they've <laughs> ever had. In 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 pretty story, like you think about both of these guys as having some good feuds with some other people, but as far as the three matches we've seen from them, have all been different and really really good. Just the storytelling alone in that match yesterday was one word phenomenal. Um, it, it, you. you can't get any better. You you can nitpick that match all you want. You you just you can't get any better. Um, Edge was fantastic. Seth Rollins was fantastic. Uh, the psychological uh, maneuvers, the looks on the faces, uh, and as you mentioned earlier, the crowd reaction just made it so much better. Th- this, the Hell in a Cell just was the icing on the cake for this. This has turned out to be one of the best feuds 
in WWE history. And that that's hard to do because they've had a lot of great feuds in this company history. And, And it's so hard to do that now in 2021 because everyone is, Hey, what have you done for me lately? Hey, uh, does this compare to this? Does this compare to that? This was just phenomenal, man. And, and the way it ended, I, I, just the curb stop, man. Are you kidding me? The curb stop for the finish. Oh, man. That's they great. didn't overdo, you know, how many feuds or how many times do we get really excited about a pairing? And then after two months, we've seen them wrestle on TV 15 times. And it's like, ah, uh, they didn't do that with these guys. I hit a home run with this one, man. They kept them apart and only like built to big matches. So while they wrestled three times now, it didn't feel like it was repeated at all. They were all spread out. They kind of had matches and then went on and did something a little bit different. And but were still always in this feud with each other. You could tell they were still lingering. And oh, I, I this has been my this has been my favorite thing in wrestling this year in ring. These two guys. Sure. Sure. These two guys. I was gonna say my favorite thing, and then I stopped for a minute because I thought about uh, Grimes and DiBiase for a minute, and, <laughs> and, and, and some of the stuff we were doing with the million dollar belt. That was that was some good stuff. But this this is even my- the even the commentators. I, I mean, look, go to the very beginning of the match. Seth is out first, right, and then Edge, and still that song by Alter Bridge is one of my all time WWE um, entrance favorites is that song and to see edge's look on his face when he's coming down the ring and then you see the oh my god i, I for, from seth rollins it's just you knew then it was a going to be a special match and you and i talked about it last week we thought oh this show th- this this match has to be the end i am so glad it didn't end with this because by then we would have been probably a little tired it's in the afternoon even yep. though the main delivered with roman and brock but setting the tone with with this match, you knew then it was going to be a special day at Crown Jewel. And, and just, you know what I'm- it did is sometimes that can be a little bit dangerous when you put a match that sure. good at the beginning yes. because then everything else after can feel like a little bit of a letdown or it doesn't live up. But what it did was it it raised every made everybody raise their their game a little bit. They all Point. you kind of yeah. put a little bit more into it, and because there were such. Uh, there was such a good card on paper. There were still a lot of other intriguing matches that that people, I think, were really curious what was going to happen, and they they kicked things off in a, in a really good way. And you know what, like Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, they've had this storyline on Monday Night Raw for a little while, and you know WWE has had the relationship with Saudi Arabia now, and they've they've had some uh, talent that they've trained, and they brought some people into the Performance Center. And the only one of, of all of those who has kind of hung around is Mansoor. And I gotta say, he is such a perfect, like lower card baby face. Yeah. The guy is really good at his role. He is, if you just look at the little things that they teach you to do as a wrestler and as a baby face, he has very good facials. He has very good energy. He's he's able to build a comeback. He sells well. He has a nice connection with the crowd. He can cut a fine, competent promo. There are he is he ever going to be in the main event of WrestleMania? No. But you need guys like that all throughout the card. Every time the Saudi Arabia show rolls around, you know he's going to have a big moment. The crowd, even though they know what's coming, they love it. They eat it up. They absolutely love him. They go crazy for him. And 
This was a really good job by Ali too Because Ali knew his role here very well He played it, he was the heel He, he, he let everybody you know, get happy for, uh, for Man- Mansoor And I think he does a really fine job with what he is He's always going to be a guy that you see You know He'll he'll have like episodes of Raw where like oh my gosh Monsoor pinned Roman Reigns on a roll you know what I mean like five years down the line it's like when the when the Hurricane Helms pins the Rock kind of a thing you know like he'll have moments like that I think sometime down the line but I, I like him you know he's I thought this was good and they they did a really nice job they do a good job with these and and um and then everything um post match so. The the guy post match that comes out the silver medalist the karate <laughs> silver medalist who this crowd goes crazy for so even if us who are watching who don't know the person that's coming out they knew their WWE did a really good job because they knew that this Saudi Arabia crowd was going to go nuts when this guy comes out this whole match and angle it was like twelve minutes the match was ten so you get a couple minutes with the angle and everything I thought it was really fun. It was really fun. It was really good. Uh, it was it was quality. Um, the crowd ate it up. <laughs> the karate at the end was just uh, <laughs> it, locally for that massive crowd. Um, it, it was it was good, and it was it. What was really good about it was, as you mentioned, you're kind of afraid to follow something uh, like Edge and Seth Rollins when they had a match of the year candidate type match. And you're like, oh gosh, you know, what's coming next? And this held its own. This held its own. And that, that speaks for both of these guys. We know Mustafa Ali can go, right? We we heard it with, you know, years ago, it was supposed to be his run instead of Kofi's. Um, And and you, and you gave the credentials of Mansoor. Um, This is this is a guy that can that can handle one of those titles, an intercontinental United sure. States. Sure. He can even take a run at, at a title here. I, I think he's hot now. Um, I'm not saying he's going to get right into a program, uh, but this definitely elevated his status. The guy can go in the ring, man. He can he's, go. He's doing like in any sport, in any organization, in any company, you bring somebody in. What do you want to see? You want to see the progression and the improvement from them. You see it with this guy. You know, he's getting more, he gets more TV time. He figures it out. He does a lot of it. He does what you would want a baby face to do. And there aren't very many good baby faces oh. around nowadays. And WWE has a hard time booking baby faces too and, and writing for them. And he just kind of, he's kind of caught it because the way they set him up with the, for the Saudi Arabia show. So, um, Mansoor. Gets the the W there in that match RK bro was over Crowd like this match They have that same template with these guys They know each other well Orton, Riddle, AJ, Omos Riddle comes riding in On the camel (laughs) And Orton the best is like Orton's looking at him like he didn't know He was supposed to he was coming in on the camel Like what the (laughs) hell Did you just get on that camel And another side tangent Was it earlier in the week when the RK bro was on Monday Night Raw facing the Street Profits, and in uh, Orton looked over at Riddle before they went out, and he said, "Hey, you want the smoke? You want the smoke?" To Matt Riddle, <laughs> who's like the most notorious stoner out there, and Riddle was like, "I want to smoke! I want to smoke!" He was like a little kid that was so happy, and then they re- and Randy was dying. You could see like loving it, and they go out to the ring. So we um, they're not not quite as hot as they were a few weeks ago. 
But uh, I did think that there were a few things throughout the week that kind of made me laugh and kind of uh, kind of perked my interest in them a little bit more again now. Yeah, they did a good job of keeping our interest during the week. You know, it, it's just been the problem, as you said, it's been overplayed here. We've seen the tag match several times. We've seen the singles go both. It was neat to see Omos again in the ring. Um, we've got to move on somehow, some way. I know that AJ and Omos got drafted as a tag team to Raw, but. You know, it's, uh, you know, we talked about it, you know, we got to get to crown jewel and the Mondays and and Fridays kind of suffered a little bit, but after a, a, a fantastic crown jewel, we should see some, some new feuds. And this is one of them. We'll see RK bro going a different direction. And it'll be interesting to see what we do with AJ and Omos. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't bad or anything like that. We've just, we've seen it before and it was probably one of the. The least intriguing things throughout a pretty stacked show. Um, again, there just there just weren't very many many um, lowlights on this show. No, there weren't no. many downers um, at all. It, it, I think a, a lot of people kind of assume that Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. They're probably not going to do a whole lot here. Maybe they do something sort of weird, but um, they went almost six minutes, and these two worked very well for the six minutes they were given. It, yeah. it was like. What you would, what you, the best of what you would have hoped for a six minute match. But, um, Dewdrop is really good in the ring. I think people don't understand that yet because she's sort of been treated like a joke with her character so far. And we haven't seen her go for 10 or 15 minutes or anything like she can. She is legitimate in the ring, Piper Niven. And this, you and I went back and forth. Zelina Vega was someone who she kind of came to, Real popularity in WWE As a manager With Andrade more than a wrestler She wasn't really wrestling at all when she came up And then She went back in there It's not that she can't wrestle she's always been capable But her role was a manager She wanted to wrestle a little bit more And she did so She obviously had the the you know Backstage issues She left the company for a while They brought her back they signed her to a deal And then immediately she was losing all the time There was even that uh, Madison Square Garden show Where she was all set up She had a new outfit um, She was doing a bunch of publicity Because her family um, had been involved in um, 9-11 tragedy and, and she it was something that was really special to her She didn't get on the show This sort of felt like a Hey, we just want you to know We do like you We're sorry for some of the things Here's this queen of the ring It fits a heel like you Better than it would fit someone like Dewdrop. So now Zelina gets to go walk around With this, you know, <laughs> queen And she's gonna be the most annoying Heel Rubbing it in all the time And this actually is gonna fit her character really well Yeah, first first off The match wasn't awful You know, it, it's uh, we, we were led to believe that that This queen's tournament Was just bad And there there, there was some there was some bad booking. You and I both Nothing, know. Um, the matches, the quality wasn't bad. They just gave a lot of the poor women two minutes in the matches. Right. Yeah, and, and somebody was, pointed. Yeah, and somebody pointed out, oh, you know, with the five or six minute match here, we they didn't even eclipse twenty minutes altogether in this tournament. Hey, look, at least there's not four first round buys in the AEW Women's <laughs> Tournament, which is called the TBS title, nonetheless. It's not even a women's championship, it, it, whatever it is. But the match wasn't bad. I was surprised that Zelina won. Very surprised. Um, I, I, I just was. You know, for, for her story, as you mentioned, they bring her back. 
She goes on this long losing streak. Uh, she's put in these weird situations with Carmella, uh, Sasha Banks. Um, you know, she's kind of she's interfering with Bianca and, and Sasha and all that good stuff. I, I just, I, I, I was just surprised at at what was the path that she took. But now that it's over, uh, kudos. And, and like I said, look, in, in WWE, the booking has always been a strange mystery. You know, lose, 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 then built up. But you nailed it. This fits her persona perfectly. She's a smoke show. She's she's really, really better in the ring of what in, than what most people give her credit to because I mainly agree. her size. And you know what, Gino? I, th- I think she's getting booked better now than her husband at AEW, who I know has got a, a third match again with Cody Rhodes coming up this weekend. But Selena Vega's hot, man. Yeah, this was a good, this is a good night for her, and it and it didn't hurt Dewdrop any because it was sort of like a, oh my gosh, Selena caught her with a a crazy move, like you know, it was one of those like whoa. And it wasn't like a silly roll up. It was it made Zelina look good. It kind of like Dewdrop was just sort of caught off guard. And I I don't think anybody looked all that bad. And you know what? It's this is gonna do something for Zelina. I don't think it hurt Dewdrop at all. And that's that's sort of what you want. So um, we'll see how they uh, they go wh- where they go with Zelina moving forward. This next match, I mean, we were expecting murder, chat. We were expecting some murder from uh, Goldberg and Bobby Lashley. Goldberg threatened to murder him a few times, but this has happened with Goldberg, I think, two or three times now where he's had a bad match or a bad two couple of matches, and you sort of feel like, eh, he, he's probably done. You know, we probably shouldn't see too much of him. And then he goes out there and he has a match like this that was super entertaining. It really over-delivered. It was so much better than anyone could have ever expected. They did what you, exactly what you should do in a no-holds-bar. They were all over. They didn't make Goldberg look weak. They were using weapons. They were inside the ring. They were around the outside. They were down the aisle. And then uh, Hurt Business came out. Um, and Goldberg ends up winning. But he doesn't have to win the title. And he can now... Go away for a few months and then you'll probably See him show back up sometime next year But it, it And it didn't feel like it hurt Lashley All that much either which Lashley has Been built very well over The last year or so you don't want to Have him drop back down the card To just kind of being in the middle Again it's nice to have him up there as a As a guy that feels like a main eventer I was so Pleasantly surprised with this match that I Kept sort of like you and I texting each Other like I think we said <laughs> Who's gonna die here? You said that to me, <laughs> and it was like, uh, go comes. Comes it's spot. Yeah, what's that? And you know what? They they tried some ambitious things. Even at the end, there were still some spots that did not get botched. I was so pleasantly surprised with this, Coop. Yeah, and I think that crowd not digesting it as poorly as what the North American crowd has done to this feud. Yes. They would have crapped on it before it even started. Right. And I mean like Goldberg, you know, they would have been doing stupid. And maybe there would have been a spot or two. I you know, I I was very thankful, you know, all the the families and the kids and everything didn't get involved. Uh, I know somebody said, oh what's the over under this match? Three and a half. I thought it was booked perfectly. You know, Goldberg's got to go over. Um, there, there wasn't any death, 
body bags. Um, there was at one point I'm like, uh oh, here it comes. There, there's about to be a death, and it was pleasantly. It what it wasn't bad. It wasn't really really good, but it was strong enough to keep these guys interesting. So to where when Lashley comes back on Raw Monday night. He's not a laughing stock of the roster mm-hmm. uh, in the crowd. So, I, you know, kudos again to to a match that on paper uh, looked crappy and they did pretty good with it. And uh, the King of the Ring tournament finals, Xavier Woods versus Finn Balor. And it was a good match. It was awesome for Xavier. You know, he's a guy who's never had his moment. I love it. the only thing I'm slightly worried. I just I didn't like Finn losing. He was just in the title picture with Roman, the demon stuff, and then he loses here. But I'm sort of okay with it because it does feel like Finn with the brand split now. He's gonna he's going to Raw, and maybe he just gets like a freshening a little bit with his character, and they can start to build him a little. But this was this was a really good match. And Xavier does a great job, you know, and I'm so happy that he got his moment. He was the only one in this whole tournament who had any story at all. So you kind of, you felt like he was going to get to the final and lose or win or win, uh, win it. And he wins. And maybe this ends up being something that gives him a a title match against Big E. They could easily have him and Big E and Kofi in just a one-off pay-per-view or on a Monday night raw where the three of them uh, have a match. And the 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 thing I liked was afterwards, we may be getting a, a Xavier Woods heel turn, the way he was sort of it. starting to act with the I did it, I'm the king, I'm cut cut this cut this broadcast, go to the you know and he's like telling the producers <laughs> what to do. That was awesome. That I was loving yeah. that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I hate that that Finn took the loss. I don't know what it would have done for Finn. To be the king of the ring And I think this is uh, a, a spot where it's okay For him to lose Because I think so many people Like Xavier Woods Not only fan wise like, Look if you listen to this podcast every week You know I'm not the biggest fan Of the New Day But I, look credit where credit is due What these three guys have been able to do I know Kofi's gotten the short end of the stick Here over the last couple of weeks But you know, Xavier with that crown, uh, the match was good. Just to see the, the, the again, the, the locker rooms across the board, AEW, Impact, NWA, Ring of Honor, just saying, man, that's, you know, praising this, this guy. guy. They love and this I, guy. And if he's just teasing, you know, turning hill. I, I will be disappointed because me, I, I could, want it. I could get behind me this. too. I want it. I could I, because he's I a, he could be a he could be a, a, a one of those prickish heels that oh, sniveling kind of a tweener and just like yeah you know yeah and like a lot of good could, stuff you could go you there. could see Kofi kind of looking at over at him you know like yes what's with this guy you know yeah. like. As yeah. he starts to, and even Big E, like what, and then Xavier Simpson, like, you know what, Big E, I'm the king of the ring. I don't care if you're the champion. You know what? I'm the king. You know, like, yeah, I could just, in. I, I want a tournament, pal. You yeah, know? I could. Oh, I love it. I love it. Give give us a little bit of hail, uh, a heel, heel, hail, Xavier. Hail, heel, <laughs> Xavier. Like as we get to Big E versus Drew. These two guys had a great match. And, and it's good. Really good 
And this is the kind of stuff um, This was a good use of Drew And this was a perfect opponent for Big E Because Drew is someone who's been built Very strong over the last couple years And you want Big E to stack wins Against these type of opponents To make him more and more credible Now Drew heads over to Smackdown And Drew will You know you'll likely see him Because in the main event picture over there When you look at the way that Smackdown roster lays out Something we talked about a few weeks ago There are not a lot of guys on the on the male side that have been recently in main event feuds and in the top of the card and Drew is one of the few of them so we're going to see Drew we're probably going to see guys like Jeff Hardy um have to be elevated a little more uh even Ricochet there there may be some one or two that we don't even realize that they have plans for and so uh I'd imagine you know this this isn't going to hurt Drew at all he's going to head over to SmackDown and be one of the top guys over there you know, I was worried about just this program being kind of thrown together, and it was poorly. It was poorly done uh, was. over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It just was. You know, them, was just, and the, they did the stupid. Oh my gosh, they can they can they coexist? I don't know. <laughs> Will they? Won't they? Oh my gosh, they turned on each other. Like, you know, uh, Drew Drew's out one week in his in a suit with a sword. But I can tell you this: I, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. You know. The Hell in the Cell match, um, I think this was one of the top two or three matches on this card, Gino. I agree. I, I thought it. it was damn good. A bit. And I think Big E right now, who has always been very solid in the ring. Yes. I think he understands. He need, yeah, and he needed something like this. Yeah, he knows that I've got... I, I got a chance right now. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna step it up even a little bit more. I'm, a, I'm a main eventer now. I mean, I'm in these big, big matches, and so Big E feels like I mean, it. It's different being in the new day for years, where you have a, you're on TV all the time. You're in big matches and stuff, but you're in a tag team, and you're getting like how many twenty minute tag team matches. You know, like on he he wouldn't get a lot of those where he's going 15 minutes himself. It's always you know combinations here. Way different when you're in a main event match. You're going 15 or 20 minutes by yourself. You have to you know add new things, you, new moves, new like pull new stuff out of your repertoire that you haven't used before. Big E's looking good right now. Uh, I, I like what he's doing, and and he feels he he still feels like hot. He feels sharp. Like it's they've done a very good job with Big E so far. Yeah, because he cashes in uh, and wins the title, and he kind of he's in no man's land a little yep. bit with mm-hmm. Crown Jewel, and so this is one of those. Not that he needed it, but this was a spotlight type match, and I I have a feeling now as as we're past Crown Jewel, I think we'll see a Lashley program with him. I, I think Lashley goes Lashley goes back to Raw and says, "Hey, look, you know." Uh, you cashed in. I never got a legitimate rematch. You know, I, I could see this. You know, the next pay per view is what uh, Survivor Series, and I think they said they're not having one in December. Is that right? I think they're I... not having one in December, and so I don't know that that may be a Raw type match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Survivor Series is not known for a lot of big title matches. It's always because uh, I think you know, they've inter- even brand talked about how it's gonna be probably Roman Biggie. At that yes. for Survivor Series, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. So I could see Lashley, you know, uh, demanding a rematch here on Raw. Sure. But, uh, you know, hey, it was his chance and uh, a hell of a match, man. It was really good. Good match. We get to the final two. So we've got Becky, Bianca, 
and Sasha here and and these all these women have been having over the last like month just these three throw Charlotte in the mix great great work on TV yeah. pay-per-view main events just top top level stuff they've just been getting some 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 crappy booking at the end because the they they put themselves in a bad spot because they, these are like their strongest women in the company These three and Charlotte And they don't want to make any of them look weak and, and in not doing that They end up having some finishes sometimes That make us all just kind of roll our eyes The match is great Everything That's is great good. And then yeah. we just get sort of like a roll up you know, Yeah, at the end. holding the rope that was a, that was a bummer You know, we still have to figure out What, what, what we're going to do with these The titles these Right, they need to be flipped. So, I mean, we knew there was that there wasn't going to be a title change in the match. So maybe we're going to get that addressed on SmackDown and Raw. We should here. Just go ahead and flip it. You know, I don't do anything silly. You know, neither one of them deserved to lose the title and have to fight for it again. But the match was really, really good. I, I just don't like the bailout bailout finishes. I'm glad it wasn't a DQ. I will give them that, but these little roll-ups and grabbing the ropes and let Becky be the hill a little bit kind of soured it a little bit for me, but I, it, it does not take away from the solid match that these three ladies did in the co-main event. Now, the main event with Roman oh, Reigns boy. versus Brock, they didn't have a quote-unquote clean finish, but this was, I felt way different about this one oh, because man. this was creative. This was very, very well done. These two guys... They worked a really good match, just yeah. great. And the the flipping of the the, dy- the dynamic with Brock as the baby face and Roman as the heel just makes it feel fresh. It doesn't seem like this is something that we've seen over and over again because we haven't. And and then the way they end, you know, as as expected, you get the uh, the Usos, you know, coming out and attacking Lesnar with the uh, the super kick. And there's a moment where. Both Roman and Brock are laying out in the ring. The referee is out, and Paul Heyman walks over and he grabs the title and he's sitting there holding the title and he like he's looking at it and he like looks back up <laughs> and you know he like looks down at it and he looks he looks back up in the ring and he's standing on right outside the ring and he's he looks to the Brock and he kind of looks to Roman's side a little bit and he looks back down to the belt and he looks back up. He's just doing these like, he's not saying anything, but you know exactly what he's just thinking and feeling. There's like, his wheels are spinning in his head and he just, he, he grabs the belt with both of his hands. So that way you don't even think he's leaning one way or the other. Like if he grabbed it with his right hand, you might think he was going to throw it to the right side, which would have been Roman. Or if he grabbed it with the left, you might have thought he was throwing it the left to Brock. But he grabs it with both hands and he kind of like shovels it. It was like a shovel pass, you know, <laughs> like a like a granny shot of the belt. I mean, just like flooped it right out. And then he just turns around and he says, you know what to do with it. And it was just this was and Roman looks kind of like uh oh and he looks up and he kind of looks over at Brock and Brock for a minute doesn't know and then Brock starts smiling a little, but they're both this was just great. This had to be a Heyman idea, right? This is like so this is something that feels like it was was Heyman that came up with it too, because 
This was so damn good. Roman's able to weasel his way out afterwards with help from the Usos, and they continue to make you want to see this match again because the match was good, but it wasn't. It was the the feeling I had was way different from the feeling that I had like on Monday Night Raw at the end of the Charlotte Bianca match, where it's like, oh come on, we kind of knew. this was like, oh this was a this was good. This was like a good like a like a. A swerve at the end of season two Of a show that you're watching and then it's like The cliffhanger before the next season three Just something that you didn't think was going to happen And you're like oh cool this was good Yeah let's let's talk about the match first It just it was really good Edge of your seat stuff crowd was in it You know the man the, Just the facials from all three Of them not just Heyman but Roman and Brock Um and there at the end Brock laying in the ring uh, As uh they they walk out and there's Heyman's face as he's walking with Reigns. Like I don't know what just happened. It, 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 yeah, it's a cliffhanger. Now here's my question: Do you make Brock Lesnar win the Royal Rumble to get this match? I mean, he he was kind of gimmicked out of this match. How how does Brock get this rematch? Or do, is it real? Do you take a spot away from somebody else on the roster? If Roman wins the Rumble, or excuse me, if Brock wins the Rumble, because he's on the poster, he's going to be in that. So what is the booking going forward here with Roman and Brock, them two specifically? Not where they go from here, but th- this storyline. How does how does Brock get, get this uh, rematch? It's Yeah, I guess it's, see, the Rumble, I hope it's not the Rumble. I hope okay. he gets, I hope he's in the Rumble, but... There's a plan with the Usos and Roman and Heyman to eliminate him, you know, and and they find a way to get him out, and then he has to he wins at Elimination Chamber or you know the next thing to to get his match with Roman at um at WrestleMania. Then I'm that I'm cool with that. I I don't love going in and just know oh yeah Brock's gonna win the Rumble and and yeah. because it sort of feels like a it's a waste of a Rumble for yes. a guy that doesn't need to win the Rumble to have that match. You know, um, so that would be my only thing is just I hope he's not planning to win the rumble because then it's like uh, it's so much nicer when they give somebody else an opportunity. The last I've just sort of felt better, you know, like some of the, the more recent winners that we've had, I think we've we've felt a lot better about them, you know, the Drew McIntyres of the world who was sort of a think a little bit of a surprise, but it was like, Oh, okay, that that's nice. Like that's cool, that makes some sense. So um I, I'm intrigued. Like you said, it's I don't want to Roman's got to have something to do though, right? Like they it can't be just Roman and Brock till WrestleMania from now. Yeah, yeah, and and I think Roman goes or Brock goes away for a little bit. It, it's going to be intriguing over the next couple of smackdowns. I really think we're going to get Drew Roman here pretty quick. Uh, that that is really really intriguing. I I I think you can play this up. If we're not going to do a pay-per-view in December, we're doing summer uh or excuse me, Survivor Series in November. You know, Drew Roman headlining uh or not headlining, but that's your your big title match uh at the Royal Rumble other than, you know, Biggie. Uh, that that's a big feel for me. I, I I think Drew can can automatically come in and and Get some some good pop behind that because yeah I, I don't want this drawn out you know if, if that's the plan uh, I just it just worries me that Brock being on the 
the, the Royal Rumble. I don't think he need. I'm with you. He didn't need to win this. He's got a, He's got a rematch already kind of built in the way Paul Heyman's done it. But it is going to be intriguing storyline over the next couple of months with Paul Heyman and Brock. Because Brock's going to show up here or there. You know that, right? He's got to mm-hmm. show up here or there. We are going to show up and start talking about some NXT. So we, so Chad and I are recording on Friday. So we're not even going to talk. Like SmackDown is going to be most of you will probably hear this like while SmackDown is happening, which we'll recap next week. SmackDown and uh, we'll be back into like a normal schedule. But everything important that happened was on, on both Raw and SmackDown was coming out of Crown Jewel. So we were able to cover all the bases there for a, a lot of the, the major storylines. And then we'll pick back up next week uh, with recapping uh, SmackDown and Raw as uh, we'll be a little bit more focused in uh, on those shows. But we can focus in on uh, what the go-home edition of uh, NXT 2.0 before uh, Halloween Havoc next week. And it was the new North American champion who opened the show, Carmelo Hayes, came out with Trick Williams. He gonna reminded us about what happened last week when he cashed in. And um this what I liked about this is some people don't like NXT for this very same reason that I that I kind of do. This was like Watching these two guys grow up from a few weeks ago when they came out and they were just wandering all over the place with their promo and it was bad and trick did not sound good at all. This this wasn't so like if I'm grading things on a scale and that one a few weeks ago was literally like a one like bottom. They were wandering. They didn't have focus at all. This is is like a five. I'm not saying this was a greatest promo in the world, like Dusty Roads, like hard times. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But this, <laughs> yeah, right. But you see these guys like finding their voice a little bit, finding their footing, now finding their character. It's always easier when you have actual things to talk about than to just hey go out there and like cut a promo. You know, now they have something to talk about. They won the they they won the title. They've got the belt. To they're they're you know very uh you know. Very high on themselves and where they stack up And then boom they get interrupted by Johnny Gargano who's full on Babyface now you know fully Fully babyface and We were kind of curious What Johnny was going to be doing but He's definitely still here He's still in the mix and it looks like we're Going to get some sort of a Maybe a tag team or just a feud with the These groups with Johnny and Dexter versus uh, Trick and Carmelo And it's the the combinations like this on NXT are what I'm starting to enjoy. You're getting some of these yeah. old guard and then the new guard. And so this, well, could Johnny be used better if he was on the main roster or in other spots or this or that? Yes, but if you're talking about, hey, there here's Johnny. We want to use him to help some of these other guys. I'm not against a couple weeks and some matches and some combinations of these these four in a feud. It's good to see him back because I was really, really afraid that he was going to be kind of left behind and really nothing uh, to shoot for here, especially after the wedding. You know, we really haven't had, you know, heard much about Dexter. It's it's, it's been Indy and, and, and her new BFF. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's intriguing. You know, Loomis, you know, appears in the ring. It, it kind of had the had a raw feel to it there, that segment. But I'm a, I'm a big Johnny G fan, and I like Dexter Loomis. And th- this is, as you mentioned, it's kind of the old guard and the new guard. And I'm sure we're going to get a couple of quality matches out of it. So it was a good opening segment for me. 
I, I, I laugh at Andre Chase. Man, <laughs> I, I laugh at this dude when he comes out every time. Yeah, like man. he's just, he's someone that I, Vince likes. You, yes. I don't even, I don't know that at all. I'm no. just, there's just, I'm looking at him and going, Vince is backstage going, raw, 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 raw. you know, like he just <laughs> laughs at guy. him. Hey, He's going to puke. He's going to throw up. Pal, doesn't he remind you of Dean Douglas or the genius? <laughs> you know, or like, <laughs> yes. I, I, I can't <sighs> wait for, uh, the, he's a great, like you, not everybody can be a guy who comes out and is presented as the greatest wrestler of all time. And the person that's going to be a main eventer. Some people are lovable losers. Some people are annoying. It's just like the real world. This guy, uh, his role, while he's still sort of, you know, he's fine tuning it. I like, I like where he is here, and and Odyssey Jones feels like someone that that has a a lot of upside and and, and a very big they future really, because yeah, they, they like him. Yep, he's yeah, a good. He's got tell. a good smile. You know, he's like got it's like a good look, a good personality. He t- when he when he talks, the the like you you listen. You kind of you're like oh, okay, you know he just he sort of, he comes off kind of real too for a guy who's very raw raw. It's, it doesn't come off like corny. You were talking about baby faces and stuff, and he's he seems like a pretty natural baby face. Yeah, which is, and, which is nice. Yeah, and, and it's hard to do. Back on Andre Chase, this gimmick, you know, it reminds me of the Spirit Squad, and I was yes, like, that's what it is. There we go, Spirit Squad, right? <laughs> that and was look, that's that that's a hard gimmick. To do, I, I, I was I, I was lucky and fortunate enough to be uh, friends with a couple of guys that were on the Spirit Squad, and even during that gimmick, I, I would talk to them about it, and it was really really tough because, you know, here's these guys, good, you know, four or five good athletes having to dress up as male cheerleaders. Uh, Vince is loving it, but then you have to go out into the arena. Not just anyone can pull that off. Triple H couldn't pull that off. You know, John Cena couldn't pull that off. It takes a special someone to pull that off and not only uh, be taken seriously, but be good at it and be in the ring. And I think, I, it, look, Andre Chase is not going to be a champion, but this is perfect for him. And, and I guess that's that's why I have a kind of a soft spot for this guy, because it, it, it kind of reminds me of the Spirit Squad a little bit. We moved on to uh, Diamond Mine and uh, the Creed Brothers versus the Imperium. This one surprised me a little bit. Yeah, and it frustrated me too because we we've talked about it. Imperium, I'm they're a fine heel tag team. They're fine. They're fine, but they're not exciting. They're not. They're they're boring. They're just kind of boring. And the. The Creed Brothers and and people are are really into the Diamond Mine right now, and these two are are a reason why. Now, there was a distraction finish, and it was a stupid roll up, but I don't like these these guys have been presented like absolute badasses so far. Yes. Like, just we want to wrestle. We're gonna beat the crap out of you. And I don't like when those types start losing via roll ups and start looking coming off dumb and stuff. So. This was a miss for me. I I I wasn't a I fan. I don't know what we're doing with the Imperium. Yeah, you know? I just don't. You know, they keep doing this. Why are you building them back up again? They'll lose. They come back. Then you know Walter comes back. You know at a takeover. Um, I, I this was sour to me. I didn't like this. Uh, I I'm a big Creed Brothers mark. Uh, it was sour, and then we kind of go into a, a bizarre 
Kyle O'Reilly and Wagner training in the woods. I, I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten on board with this yet. With yeah, this two. is this was weird. This was kind of, I was, you know, so <laughs> they were on bikes later. In I the was going they on bikes later? Or this it, was like a, um, this was like like very like Top Gun kind of energy, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. I was waiting for them to just like take their shirts off and start playing volleyball in these like really tight shorts, you know. It was there's I, I was just kind of weird. Um, it, it's, I, yeah. It, I was like, hmm, you know. I just hmm. yeah, it's just odd. Uh, apparently, somebody's going to turn on the other. Yeah, it, it's very odd. It's probably Wagner. I, I, I see him as being a a better hill than O'Reilly, but it's just the I, pairing. I feel- I feel bad. I honestly feel bad for O'Reilly. I do because because I want to I want to like him more as a main event character than I than I've been able to. I think anytime he steps in the ring, he fits as soon as he gets in the ring with anybody and, and on any level. I mean, we're talking Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega. This guy fits with the best wrestlers in the world. Put him in there with Seth. Put him in there with the best at, on any company. He is as good as any of them. The problem is all the stuff before that. When he yeah. was in the Undisputed Era, he, he didn't have to talk a whole lot. or he, And so the times that he did, it was kind of like, kind of cute, you know? It was like, oh, you know, it kind of was like, oh, you know. You you kind of like laughed or smiled and it was he's playing the air guitar as they walk down and stuff. And now they're just they're having such a hard time finding his character. I mean, think about how like he, he's like carrying cross right now with what they've done with him like three or four different times. A That's month a, a couple a couple months ago, he was when he was with when Cole was still around and they were finalizing their thing, he was like being, a, I'm going to turn like almost like a heel, and I'm going to go dark, and then he's, you know, like cool guy Kyle, like wearing like <laughs> yeah, that was like very bizarre. I'm wearing these cool. It's like what? It in so I and and I don't know if that's him, if it's a combination of him and them all trying to find what works most for him. But I actually feel bad. Like when I watch this, it and you know what? It wasn't even that this was the worst segment in the world. Like we watch plenty of. Things it, it wasn't even like this was like terribly awful. It was just like this is kind of weird. Again, like you're sort of going in a different direction with this guy. So now he just got away from the undisputed era. He just got away from his whole thing with Cole, and now you put him right back in another thing where he's going to be like having this buddy thing where they're going to turn on each. I yeah, it's. I guess I'll let it play out a little bit more because I yeah. I like I really like O'Reilly in the ring, and I. There's something there with 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 Von Wagner, like there there's something they just haven't like he's not a finished product at all right now. But like, but at least this like he's a big dude, so him going out in the woods and doing this kind of crap sort of makes more sense for his character than it does for like <laughs> O'Reilly, O'Reilly yeah. like metro <laughs> biker out there. Like I I saw that bike helmet on, and I'm like. And what is he what, doing? Yeah. What bet did he lose? I know. Uh, yeah. Uh. yeah that, it, from the Imperium match, that 
Were you shocked at uh, our first women's match of the night? You have Cora Jade, who I, look, I'm falling in love with. I I just like her. She's so um, cute. She's just adorable, and, right? Are you oh, surprised? Yeah. That, are you surprised in this match she goes over Electra Lopez this early? It felt like they liked Electra. They had Electra win that uh no DQ match um in 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 the feud with uh with Hit Row um recently, and so a, a little bit. But I I do think that. It it feels like they're pretty high on on Cora and maybe they like Electra. They like her, but it's kind of a package with the whole Legato Adele Fantasma. She kind yeah. of completes them and gives them a nice ad. They've got the face, the star, and they've got the tag team, and then they've got a, a woman, a female that can be a contender in the females division. So they've they've got a nice complimentary. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I would have not I would have expected like um Core Jade wins this match by DQ because uh, Electra just beats her down outside the ring and uses a you know something like that, and then maybe they build up to another match between these two down the line. But they're giving Cora some wins right off the bat. So uh, shout out there to uh, to Cora picking up a big victory on the uh, on the roll. See the roll ups, I don't mind as much with someone like her, you right. know, because she's Cause that's she kind of her gimmick. She's like the one two three kid. Yes. Hey, that's hey. I like that. Right? Like yeah. That. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Big there, for this. There we <laughs> go. Um, so Cora um gets the W. Joe Gacy cut oh, a little promo. Told it. us the told us the snowflakes and don't worry. And uh in what I what I sort of liked is they kind of made you forget a little bit that he lost last week. Yeah. You know, you kind of just came back, you kinda Cut his promo again. Um, don't address it a whole bunch, you know. And and it and I don't want to see him losing a lot while he's working on establishing this character. So yeah, I think it was it was fine. I mean, nothing incredible, nothing awful. Uh, it makes me laugh when he starts talking though. I just start laughing. I because I, I wonder how many people it is actually pissing off, or like I wonder people that are like flipping through the channel and it's like snowflake. Liberal or something like I just it makes me laugh. Deliver, <laughs> Probably right. What I like is his delivery and the demeanor. It's, it's kind of like Bray Wyatt, right? Uh, and it really pisses you off. That's what it's like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good, pretty dang good heel in NXT 2.0. I, I like the kid. I really like this. I could see him being someone in a year or two that's leading a faction on the main roster. Yes. Like as as the talker. Yes. As the voice of you know Le- Like like a Wyatt family kind of thing sure. You know um, he's, he's got, got some th- creepy stuff Yeah, it, it, yeah. Like you, you said it's There's something about his look and the delivery He's very Because he, he, he kind of slow Slow talks you Like a reg, like really regular Like he's trying to talk down to you too There's something like That's You know I keep mentioning Bray but there's a little something Jake-ish in the way he presents himself too that I've kind of picked up on, and so yeah, I want to see more uh, more of him as a performer. I think he's been doing a, a really good job. Braun Breaker and Champa, there. Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> Chat. 
Tag team partner. They've got a match against each other next week, but we're going to team them up. And oh, well, they, they coexist. Can, and they coexist on WWE TV this week. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so they, they, they uh, they uh, hook up backstage for a minute, and they they talk about how they have a, their big match coming up next week, and uh, and then we actually end up getting the tag team match for the main event where we get Ch- Champa and Braun Breaker versus the Grizzled Young Veterans, and as you would imagine, these guys are all really good in the ring. It's a very good tag team match. It's a really nice way to end the show. We get the the win from Braun Breaker. And from Tommaso Ciampa And then after the match uh, You know we get the uh, the, the stare off Breaker you know, <laughs> you know he, he Ciampa hugs the title And he goes to make his way and Braun calls him back And then he goes to the ring and they face off In the middle and he holds it up at him And he's like smiling at him And so we, this was WWE like 101 tropes um, I will say it it didn't feel as like we've seen this a million times because at least with these versions of people we haven't like it, it wasn't like we just saw them do that with Rhea with Asuka and then Rhea's doing it with you know what I mean like it, they literally will do it with people in the back to back feuds um so and and Braun sometimes there's someone who you see one week and you go okay yeah they looked good that week but they don't this guy looks he's a star he's a yeah. star man uh, every time he's out there. He's just got that it. He comes off very real and genuine. He doesn't he doesn't come off like he's pretending to be a wrestler or he's acting like a wrestler. He just feels like like that just seems like who he is. And, and don't delay the inevitable, right? Look, yep. This this look, they're, they're, Halloween Havoc's a, a pretty salty card next Tuesday on on the USA Network. Don't delay the inevitable. Give give the kid the title and, and let's run with it. No. I just I like Tommaso. He's good, but man, with all these new, all these new faces, it's kind of like the CM Punk things. Man, doesn't he look a little old? You know, he just does. Absolutely. It's fault. It's just it's Braun. It's Breaker's time, and this time next year. I mean, I, even before this, this kid needs to be on the main roster. Needs to be in Mania. The, the, he's he's got a ton of persona. He, he's he's the total package. If if you ask me, cuts a great promo. Has the look. I think the fans will on the main roster or, or the WWE universe is going to eat him up. Let let him have this title next Tuesday. EO Shirai picks up a win in, in the uh, triple threat match there um, as we are getting set up for this, the, the match next week. So EO gets to spin the wheel and um, uh, they, <laughs> they stand on the stage and they end up getting a scareway to hell ladder match. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. They'll make this tag team match very good next week as uh, we continue our build towards Halloween Havoc. We saw Legato del Fantasma uh, attacking Trey Baxter and, and taunting Cora Jade. Uh, and then Jensen and Briggs run back to help him out. So we'll get a Baxter. Uh, Jensen Brooks, Baxter Brooks, and Briggs uh, versus uh, Legato Del Fantasma. We may even get uh, them and and Cora versus the four of them. So they're putting uh, they're putting a little group together to at least have some some kind of TV feud coming up. And then, uh oh, I don't guy. know nothing about nothing. I don't know nothing about nothing. Just forget about it. Just forget about it. Ooh, and this is amazing. Tony D'Angelo 
Nobody can find the producer from lashing out that <laughs> may or may not be in Tony D'Angelo's trunk. Trunk. But Tony uh, gets a, a match against a uh, Rufang, and Tony wins pretty easily. And you know, I've been I've been watching and paying attention to see. Okay, is he not that good in the ring? He's, he's been pretty solid so far. Yeah, he's not bad. I haven't seen anything bad or any real botches. He's he's got a different ish like body type and look to him than a lot of the other people in NXT. You know, he's like a bulkier guy, just like a little thicker. And oh, this is this gimmick is just so funny. And the the people are are so bought in and playing along with it at the at the shows now. They love him. They're going crazy. They basically he basically says that he may have murdered someone and then he says forget about it right after and everybody starts laughing. So it's like he's joking about murder already. We're we're you know just they've really let let a lot of murder talk go over the last few weeks on on wrestling TV from Arn to uh to Goldberg and now Tony D'Angelo here with the producers in his trunk but this is this is fun. Like I I like I'm liking some of these new characters and we we were laughing when we saw some of the vignettes with him and so far he's been Really entertaining and like good This is the some of the good Wrestling comedy because you're just sort of Laughing at his character You're you're not laughing at like Stuff that's really Really cringeworthy this is just Like goofy stuff What do you think about the spooky and Mysterious figure in the graveyard Burying the gimmicks In the cemetery right yeah The gimmick <laughs> barrier I love that I love that And I wonder I, I almost I know it's not, but I, I was like, is that Elias out there with like, remember Elias was in the woods? That's, that's awesome. Then, yeah. He was in the woods and he said the, the grave, he had the, like the tombstones, like Elias is dead. It's like, what is he buried? Like, so I was like, I was looking at that wondering, but uh, yeah, new, new faces popping up all over. It does feel really, really fresh. Uh, you have any thoughts on, uh, on that new figure? I, I don't, I, I don't know if it's the, the Parker Boudreaux character. Uh, oh yeah, that could be a good call. The, the, uh, the Harlan, whatever his name is, I, I I don't because they're bringing so many people up in so many different directions so quickly. I don't. Um, I, I do think Halloween Havoc's going to be good. I think yeah. La Knight as your host. It's uh, going to be I a lot know, of fun. I don't know if he'll be as good as a host as uh, Shotzi was last year. Remember, she, she was great. But uh, this will this will rival up there with it's a really solid card next Tuesday. It, it is uh, if all of these matches uh, get due time, um, you're looking at a really solid card next Tuesday night for Halloween. Yeah, Madden. you mentioned uh, L.A. Knight gets the win in, in his match over Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller, so L.A. Knight will be hosting, and uh, he he just feels like he not that he's out of place, but. He feels just for how good he like the presence that he brings and how good he is on the mic. He feels like he should be going up sooner than later, right? Like yeah, maybe he's a rumble guy or something, you know, because we're not getting we're not too far away from the rumble now. Think you know no. where we are. We're we're getting a lot closer. So some of these NXT, you know, you know, that we thought may have been a call up, maybe they do. Maybe they end up, yeah. you know, showing up in the rumble in a in a little bit. And uh, or maybe they wait, you know, because now the draft the the you know the brands have now split again with the after the draft, and maybe they can start some of these new uh, folks out fresh on on one side or the other. Um, 
We did get the oh that the little backstage feud before led to a match where Mendoza and Wild end up beating uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. So I'd imagine we'll continue to see more of of the grouping that we said with them with the uh, with the ladies and then also with uh with Baxter and with um with uh, um Santos also in the mix. So we finished up with the uh yeah grizzled young veterans chompa breaker that was your main event there and that was nxt as we move along you know it really it it does hurt um dynamite i think a lot when they when they're they have these weeks that nothing they can do about it it's not they they can't control the the schedule of the nba or the nhl but when they don't have that midweek show they feel just like quite like Sometimes it feels a little out of sight, out of mind Because then you end up getting what they've had Rampage on Friday, and then you have Dynamite on Saturday, sort of back to back Right now, those are Friday and Saturday nights Where there's baseball, basketball, football, college football uh, You know, a ton of things happening And so those nights are a little bit more difficult The middle of the weeks are great nights, right? Like Wednesday has been a great night for them With Dynamite, and it's felt... It's felt a little bit lacking the last few weeks, even coming off of the big, the big buzz they had, and the shows have been fine. We've, you know, there've been a lot of back and forth on social media with Tony demo and, and the demos, <laughs> and last week they were going against each other. There was a buy-in for this and for that. There, the sh- they've been the shows have been fine. Um, there have been, you know, some things that I did like and some things that I I, I haven't liked. Um, as we kind of look at uh, last week, uh, a few things to to point out. You mentioned um, uh, Malachi Black a little earlier, so they they had a match with Malachi Black and Dante Martin, and at the end, they actually had Malachi kind of give Dante a look like a, a like a nod of respect moment almost there, and we saw later that. Leo Rush, my man, my man, man, Martin, my man. (laughs) Leo said he's going to be joining uh, Dante, and he's going to be in the uh, in a tag team with him moving forward. So we'll we'll see Leo jumping uh, in the ring. Um, You know, there wasn't. There's one thing really that's kind of stood out to me that I really really like, which we'll get to in a minute. A few things that are eh, like. Jungle Boy cut a promo with with Shivani, talked a little bit about you know the elite, so they're sort of still in a feud with them moving forward. We just checked in with Jungle Boy for uh for a minute with him and Luchasaurus, and then then Cole comes out of nowhere and they uh they power bomb Luchasaurus through a table. And they just kind of popped out. And it was a little bit funny actually the way they sort of set him up and they were just like it just just kind of it was like a jackass thing almost the way it, the way it came off. Um, the um, so then we get the inner circle reuniting, and they come out to the ring, and so we got Santana and and uh, the inner uh, Santana and Ortiz are back with the, with Jericho and Hager and Sammy's out there, and they're interrupted by America's top team and Dan Lambert, and he comes out cutting his promo like always. Jericho calls him a fat face dipshit and and, <laughs> and so the crowd starts chanting. Then Jericho kind of got into a couple of things with Paige Van Zant and I was like, whoa. Yeah. He was uh, he's talking about sliding into the DMs. He called her a bitch. He um you, you know that they went, you know, they kind of oh, teased I just I, Gino, not to interrupt it, that no, it, it's please. funny and it makes for good on social media. You know, but 
do AEW fans really know who she is and do they care? She really wasn't all that successful as an MMA fighter. I, I look, she's a smoke show. She was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, she was she's since been released from the UFC. I think she's in the bare knuckle fighting championships now that, that she fights. I'm not taking anything away from her. She's just she's no Ronda Rousey. No, you know, and she never has been. I just don't know what that really does. No, it doesn't. Wrestling. It's it's sort of it's weird. It's like I don't like Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, he's a former world champion. I don't know if a lot of AEW fans even care. Or, well, I, I don't mean, think the, he, is, the name isn't even. Now. Yeah, the name isn't even like a very popular no. mainstream name. I don't. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate. Like it's not something that I want to turn my TV off when they come on, oh, sure, but it sure. doesn't. It's definitely not something that makes me go out of my way to want to watch it or gets right, me excited right. about or is something I'm going to tell my friends like to watch because oh hey look these people are here come come and watch and <laughs> I don't yeah I feel like I, and I don't know if this is Jericho kind of feels in a weird spot right now yeah you know? he does kind of feels like he's he's done it all. In even there with them, but you know he had the top run, and he was kind of with the tag for a while. He had the feud with MJF. They turned from heels to baby faces, and now he. I'm not saying he's he shouldn't be out there, but he just. I don't know what you could do with him right now. That's going to get me really excited about it. Um, any any situation you put Jericho in, he's going to make it entertaining. Right, so you whatever you give him, he's gonna make the best out of it. But there's nothing in them when I'm like fantasy booking in my head, like where do I want to see him go next, and wh- like that's gonna make me, I don't. There's nothing off the top of my like I don't. You want to see him in like Daniel Bryan or Punk or Cole? I don't know. Doesn't there's probably others that I'd rather. Um, I so, think you said it. I think you said it best. Uh, they've been in a bizarre situation too, not being able. To be on Wednesday nights That is their flagship show I I don't care what you want to boast That you did this and demo uh, For 30 minutes against WWE On FS1 I I, I don't care what you put on YouTube Brian Danielson and whoever Which was Did subpar numbers Without Wednesday nights It just seems like they take a back seat And there's really nothing Look, They have a pay-per-view coming up in November I think it's full gear Full gear Minnesota, and I think we really have nothing right now. Uh, now the, there's one, there's one, and that's the only thing that I'm I I'm excited about. And the problem is, it's something that we were excited about a few months ago in a Tangman page, and sure, and we'll sure. get there in, in a minute. But and it's yeah. because he's the one, and in it, real life came a calling, and the guy had to take some time off. I just didn't like the way that he was. Put in the match Kind of made look like a loser And then Kenny Ends up losing to Christian right after that It That was what I didn't like about it Hangman whenever he came back We knew he was going to get these incredible responses From the crowd And you know he's not someone That you think of as Someone who's just going to come out And cut The greatest promo in the world and he's more of like a a funny guy, you know. He's he's always drinking, and that's the thing, and the cowboy shit, and that's the the his his kind of shtick and, and the gimmick for him. But he cut a promo over the weekend, and 
forgive me because some of Friday and Saturday are kind of combining uh, Rampage and Dynamite. They're back to back nights, and so it was basically like every, the stuff that happened last week on AEW. And he came out. He um, he's your new number one contender. When he returned, he won that uh, he won that ladder match, and he is or is it the ladder match or the Battle Royal? Battle Royal. Battle Royal. Battle Royal. Yeah, yeah. So he is. I mean, he's over. And what I liked is he came out and he just cut a very good babyface promo where he was honest. He said, "Hey, this is what happened. I told you at the very beginning I wanted to be the first ever champ, and I failed. And then I had to go on this journey, and I was teamed up with Kenny, and we were th- we did this, and then we split up. I lost my friends. I had to kind of find myself. And I like that. To me, I kept thinking like, okay, so what changed now? You weren't confident before." But you know what it was? It mentioned you, you got a family now. That's real. I like that. You got a kid. You're a father now. That's how you, I can tell you people people will say when you're a dad, you feel it, things change for you, and you always kind of roll your eyes and you're like, I don't know what they mean. And then when you are, you sort of like you <laughs> kind of you feel it. My my poor son, he for two years, he's gonna be two next month. We haven't because it's been a pandemic for a lot, we haven't gone and done a whole lot of things. And so he's never been sick ever, never, which is great. We a lot of people have their when their kids are young, they're sick a lot. He has never been sick. So for the first time in his life the other day, he was actually throwing up and he looked so he was like crying because he didn't know what the feeling was. He he didn't he didn't know. It was like what am I what what is this? This has never happened to me before. And I was like getting these feelings that I was like while I was watching him that as a dad, there's like feelings that you can't even describe. And it I love that he brought that back in and said, you know what? I'm confident now. I, you know, the things that matter to me, my, my family, I'm a, I'm a father. And you know what? I'm going to do this. And we've said it from the beginning. He shouldn't have lost then. You cannot have this guy lose another match. He has to go at full gear and take this title from Kenny Omega. And I don't know how long you want to have him. Run with it if he's going to be a the champion for a year or not, but he's got to go get like this story for him has to culminate with him winning the title, and it has to be soon before you start getting in that like oh no you know you start worrying or you start questioning it's this has already been probably pushed off a little longer than they would have liked has to be him in a month winning that thing. Yeah, and I'm glad Dark Order is not involved. Right, that just seemed. A little below, it, yes, I agree. It, just, it was forced, um, and, and then it, it was it, you kind of caught lightning in a bottle with it after you forced it because then yes, it became like yes. silly and goofy. And their segments with them were for funny, you know. You would have never thought that they would have been entertaining. You just it's you don't need to go back to it, and they didn't need to be a part of his story into the world title. Right, and that goes back to you saying he's not the greatest on the microphone, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. There's been a lot of great world champions throughout professional wrestling have not been good talkers. um, And he's one of them. And I agree. If he needs to be the solo cowboy, ride it, you know, get the old Bon Jovi song and and ride on in and win this title sooner rather than later. That's the thing that has to be done immediately because, you know, we talk about bad champions, right? We talk about transition champions. I, I just, I have not, I don't know what's happened to Kenny Omega since AEW has become a promotional company. 
Kenny Omega, in my eyes, has gone from being one of the best wrestlers of all time that you was kind of like, hey, have you seen Kenny Omega wrestling? It, it, it's like watching his matches was like finding a Bigfoot for the first it time was. out in the wild. And now it's not, eh, and it's just become like a shtick. And then he had the Impact title, then he lost to Christian, then he's been in these goofy little, this needs to be Omega and Hangman, and Hangman, this doesn't need to be, you know, a best two out of three. Like you said, he's already beat Hangman, and we're soured with that. It, mm-hmm. It's Hangman wins this title in November. He has to. And then we can get to Kenny starting to tell the turn on Don story. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because we can get Kenny back. I don't need Kenny to be like a white meat baby face, but Kenny just being a guy who wants to go out there and put on awesome wrestling matches. Like that's his character. That that's how many times Gino, because you're you're a massive Bret Hart fan. Oh, how many man. Times, how many times was Bret Hart putting goofy situations? I don't remember hardly any of them. And maybe maybe latter in his career, but in his heyday, I don't remember him being in any goofy situations like Kenny Omega's been in. I don't and, and I don't like it's it was like they were trying to fit into this who the heel champion of a of a company that's on TV should be. Yes. yes you know, it was like yes. this is who who Kenny's got to be. You know, it, it reminded me of like when uh when you know when um like Stone Cold or Mankind would win the title and then Vince would do the makeover on them, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know the, the Monday Night Raw they'd come out and they like v- Mankind's hair is like in a ponytail and he's in a suit. <laughs> you know, yeah. and Austin's like in the suit, you know, and they're like trying to yes, you look great. This is what my champion's supposed to look like. You know, this <laughs> this sort of like what uh what I've kind of gotten the vibe from Kenny because when he just goes out and does what he did with Daniel Bryan a few weeks ago, when he just goes out in the ring and wrestles like we all want from him, it's still really good. We just unfortunately I think I think two things happen. One, we're not, um, you know, the the character has taken over a little bit. And two, your your body can't do it. Unfortunately, you know that was one thing when you're wrestling in New Japan and you have some big matches like that once a month, every now every you know here and there. It's a little different than when you have you know a match like in WWE multiple times a week. You're traveling all over. You've got house shows. You've got other ones. And then, you know, people give them crap sometimes because they don't do necessarily New Japan style every night. But I don't think any person in the world could. Your body can't take it. You can't do that. You can't take that many bumps over and over. I think Kenny's sort of kind of realizing that too, that that bump card isn't unlimited. You know, you got to pick and choose your spots a little bit. And I don't know. And that's, that's one of those weird things where it's like when... When someone, it's like an athlete who, you know, is crazy, like their major strength is their just pure athleticism. Like the older and older they get, you know, they're not a good shooter. They probably weren't very smart. Like that wasn't one of their strengths. They're like, you know, their mind for the game wasn't one of their strengths. Their strength was just their athleticism. You know, when you're wrestling, you can't do it quite as much He's trying to lean into the character a little bit more But unfortunately the thing that we all Love Kenny for was was those matches And we'll see if he can kind of find a nice Way to put it all together I think When he gets away from Dawn stuff and He could be he could be a good baby face when the crowd Gets behind him again like going after him um, So that that's something to, to Keep an eye on we had the uh, FTR dress up like the Luchas which <laughs> I did I did sort of pop on the Okay so it's funny because 
this was basically like a play on what they were supposed to be in WWE. There were like there were rumors that they actually talked about. So it were they weren't like the fake Adam Cole rumors that were made up. <laughs> <laughs> FTR actually mentioned that they were they were pitched like like court jester kind of like a tag team where they were going to be dressed up in goofy costumes that looked like the Riddler. And, and this was them just kind of making fun of that and playing into it. And, and that's why I, I didn't mind it. I, the thing that was funny was like CM Punk is, is on commentary and he's like, so we're, we're going to, we're going to mention that this is FTR, right? You know, he's like, <laughs> this is, this is FTR. Right. And poor Tony, it's like Shivani is playing the dumbest guy in the world. He's yeah. like, well, shoot, what, CM, what do you mean, CM Punk? Well, maybe you're right, CM Punk. Hmm. And then he goes, he comes back and he calls Punk Tony Romo for predicting it. He's like, this is Tony Romo over here, the greatest analyst. And Punk's like, uh, he was a quarterback, right? I don't know football. Punk has, Punk has no clue. And he, he goes, yeah, he predicts things before they happen, just like you did. You knew it was FTR. It's like. It wasn't like he called a play. He said the guys are the guys that we all know. That's not even close to the same. It was, it was poor Tony was just laying it on a, a little too thick there. But um, I I did chuckle at at the at that and um, you know them in in the tag team feud. Um, Moxley with a big squash. He's kind of lost right now. Yeah, floundering. He's he's gonna go real heel soon, right? Like super. Super evil bad guy at some point. Well, hell, Gino, he's gotten he's he's getting more pop going to GCW and having more yeah. death matches with Nick Gage, Gage than than AEW. No, you know, I, I know. And uh, oh, the oh, another thing that I had a note on that I wanted to mention. So they show Serena Deeb backstage, <laughs> and and then and then they come back and Punk goes. Serena Deeb, great head of hair on her, which was just <laughs> awesome because if you don't remember, Serena Deeb and CM Punk were in a faction together, the straight edge society, <laughs> yeah. and, and they all had their head shaved at that yes. point. And Serena even had her head shaved. And so just like those are the things that I like with Punk where he's kind yes. of funny and snarky yes. and quick. Not when he's being like you're like. Godfather yeah. uncle that's like I don't know you know it's like when he's trying To be like the nice He would have the, the CM Punk I know would have absolutely Ripped Tony Schiavone for what He had said in that spot he would have been yes. like Schiavone are you A dumbass every person <laughs> In the world knows it's FTR Why are you giving me credit for Something like that you know it would just and that, That's kind of what I wanted And uh He, he He's fine. Like he looks fine in the ring. He's getting his like some ring Ross, like ring Ross knocked off. There haven't been any of his matches right now that are, are anything special. No. And, and is there anything coming up? I, I mean, I looked at rampage on Friday and dynamite on Saturday this weekend. And I don't see punk related matches. I mean, I'm sure he'll be in something. For November, but I, I don't really. What do you do with Punk right now? And he he teased. He, he made a comment when MJF was walking out. Okay. That 
that made me wonder if that's the direction they go, but it does really feel like MJF is going to be in a feud for the next month with Darby. Yes. Right? Cuz that like there are a couple of things that we can Kind of pencil in that they build to the Pay-per-view hey shout out To Tony Khan for having his notes out there Did you see that picture where He had had his rundown out there And they were zooming in on the notes for Everything he's he's got the whole uh, full gear Card written down on like his legal pad Out note sheet and uh, um, So yeah I mean I don't know where punk goes And and We saw um, So we saw the super click when, uh, beat the the Dark Order, which you know doesn't surprise us. There, they're gonna get, keep giving these uh, these guys you know big big wins, so th- so they get the win there. Um, yeah. But but the MJF thing, he you know he came out, he, he cut a little bit of a promo, and and then Sting ends up you know he calls out Darby, and uh, Darby actually isn't even there. Brings out a, you know he's just doing MJF heel stuff. They bring out a referee, and, and then and Sting walks out and, and goes to the ring with the bat. The, the the MJF like most of his things are hits to me. This mid thing is like a total swing and a miss for me. Yeah, me too. Like everything's mid. That's like re- let's retire that one soon. He's he's way more creative than that. You could the crowd wasn't even responding the way he yep. wanted to when he was saying mid Darby's mid Sting mid. You know the <laughs> first or second time it was fine, but it was just like. Okay, you know he's he's way more creative than that. Like you can you can do a lot better than that. So um, th- yeah, that was a lot of what we saw on uh, on you know over the weekend. Let's see, yeah, there was no Darby around. Um, what are some of the other things that we uh, that we might have missed on the show? Um, not a whole lot with the women, like with Britt, right? Britt, not a whole lot. No, she gets a rampage match. This weekend with Anna J, uh, that was announced. Uh, you have Cassidy, Orange Cassidy, and Powerhouse Hobbs, and then you finally have Pack and Andrade, and then your Dynamite. You have one of these World Title Eliminator matches with Brian Danielson and Dustin Rhodes. Why is Dustin Rhodes in any type of World Title Elimination contention at all? I know if I you're playing if off of the wins and losses and those the kind of things matter. When do we ever see him win? Maybe he's stacked up 35 on dark and elevation that we <laughs> that we don't know about. That's he, true. You do get Cody and Malachi Black part. Oh, okay, the okay. So the the co- the Cody things were, were funny. That was one thing yes. we missed. The, yes, the, those are. I, you know what? I, I still don't know if like I I don't dislike. The, the vignettes the the segments that they they did they actually seemed pretty pretty good quality like pretty well done from just a production quality standpoint i it was it was kind of goofy right? but but i it, it was different so i i didn't dislike it you what they they showed Cody and Arn and the and some of the group of them and everyone's just like giving Cody a bunch of shit now like they're all just like <laughs> being dicks to Cody at all at all the times and he had to do a, a drill. They were they were showing them all like working out and training in the ring, and Cody was doing a drill. I love it. It was called a defense drill, a defensive drill, where like everybody like attacks you from different corners, and you have to defend. And one of Cody's defenses is the drop down to the mat slap that Goldust does. It's like that's a defense. <laughs> yeah. 
What are you doing? You don't just, that's not a defense. You can't just drop down on your back and slap. That made me just. Vintage gold dust, Gino. (laughs) That made me just laugh really, really hard. Um, We got, we haven't seen a, a lot of him, but man, Miro in these dark rooms. Oh my God. He's praying to God and he's wondering, what has he done? God, what have I done? Every and he says, everyone else will know pain until I become your champion, until I see her once again. I love it. I <laughs> Me love too. It. It's great. Absolutely great. We don't get to see him work anymore, but the uh, you know, the promos are good. And did we got um uh, was Penelope Ford and Hogan, Ruby comes <laughs> out. Poor Ruby, she sort of feels Ooh. like she shuffled down the card already after she was yeah. so hot. And I mean, we thought she maybe had a chance to actually beat Britt. It was like yeah. the, It's just crazy Um, A good wrestling match Uh, Brian Danielson beats Bobby Fish As Bobby Fish is is what you He's a good technician right He's good for like a really nice 10 minute TV match here Where nobody ever thought in a million years Bobby Fish was going to win But Daniel Bryan likes Bobby He likes having matches like this To where he'll give the other competitor So much to where there are a few spots Where you go no, okay, no, they weren't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. But uh, as um, yeah, Friday, the, and then on, uh, I think it was on Rampage where we had the Brian Danielson Suzuki match yeah, in the buy-in, and that was a was a good match. Um, it was just sort of like very New Japanish sort of style, kind of like a slow build up um to start, and they they like beat the crap out of each other, really hard hitting, but. That was like happening on Friday night when on the other uh, on on SmackDown, like at the same time, you were getting this really good uh, match with the Street Profits. That was like a tag match that was all over the place. It was was a no DQ match, I think, too, where they were just going ballistic, and so they were just completely different styles of matches. But if you are a style of the New Japan type, you'll probably enjoy that uh, Brian Suzuki. But I, I gotta say, like I enjoy a lot of those styles. Probably a little underwhelming for me Like Suzuki's kind of like An acquired taste you know Because he's just one of those he was a real MMA fighter So he's not He's not a wrestler In that he's sell he's like Crazy selling a bunch or He's just gonna like a a Legit badass in the ring And he's a little older now too So he um his matches are all Still intense fun Good but Never for me they don't kind of get to that Next level you know as some Like of the dream matches get Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Ty, yeah like Ty Conti's been been popping up a little bit More she's she's getting a little bit better and improving She's got a good look to her she's very uh, She's got that real cute look and everybody Seems to be you know behind her And they like her um, We ended up getting the uh, the Tag match between American Top team and uh, uh, the the tag match was actually American Top Team beating Jericho and uh, and Hager, and what ends up happening is that was what led to the the promo the next night. So they've American Top Team and Dan Lambert have basically told Sammy Guevara, you need to put your title on the line up for grabs. And then we'll fight you in a tag match Inner circle versus America top team So we'll probably have Sammy Defend the title against uh, A Scorpio Sky um, Most likely so you know And then 
that'll lead to uh, a five on five match, which it will be fine. You know, it'll be fine. It's just, it, it, like I said, we we said when we started talking about it before, it's nothing that makes me go absolutely crazy. It's just, you know, it's okay. Sort of a CM Punk, Matt Seidel sort of felt that way. It was, yeah, it was fine. Ruby versus the Bunny. Ruby gets the win there. Okay, yeah. you know. Um, so we'll see if we get that full inner circle versus the America's top team match coming up. But we know what else is going to be coming up next week. We're going to have Halloween Havoc to discuss. And um, Coop, I got to say thank you for this week because it, it was just a different with Crown Jewel in the middle of Thursday. The <laughs> schedules were off. It wouldn't have made sense for us to talk about things that would have been irrelevant a few hours later. So we decided to put a pin in it. Wait till Friday. Now uh, we were able to talk about a lot more that happened afterwards and uh, and and a really good show that I think was a pleasant surprise. I was just kind of ready to. You know these crown jewel shows you throw them on in the middle of the day while you're doing stuff and this was one that I a few times when I had to do other things I made sure that I paused it I stopped it I came back so I could watch it was really good if you didn't get a chance to watch that show go back and watch it and, and check it out I think it's worth your time yeah this is definitely one of those rewatch type of events and and you know uh, we we don't really talk a lot about impact they have a big pay per view. This weekend, uh, they're bound for glory. Uh, seven, seven or eight matches. Most of them are title matches. You have Christian. Uh, Christian, yep. who's he in the title match against? Is it? He, he's he's defending against Josh Alexander. Um, you, you have an interesting uh, Impact Women's their knockout division. Deanna Perrazzo is defending the title against Mickey James, and you have the debut of uh, the. Inspiration, also formerly known as the iconic. Iconic. (laughs) They they are, and a little birdie has told me. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! It is scoop with coop, the pooper scooper. Right, scoop it up, baby, with coop making his impact debut tomorrow night on Bound for Glory. I am hearing my source is telling me. Brian Strowman has okay. signed with Impact. So if okay. that's true, that's a pretty literally big signing for Impact. If he if he appears tomorrow night, from what I am told, he uh, he is in Las Vegas and he uh, he will debut tomorrow night with Impact Wrestling. That's what I've been told. It's a good get for them. He could be uh, a needle mover for them, sure. and and definitely someone who. Uh, who draws some attention their way Koopa Loop, you have been firing away with your plays <laughs> as of late Do you have any uh, any plays for us this week before we let you go? Yeah, man, I got two quick ones uh, I hate taking really, really big spreads I hate giving a lot of points Number three, Oklahoma is on the road this weekend against Kansas Kansas is terrible Oklahoma giving 38, but I think Oklahoma is in a position now. They've moved. They've moved on um, from from Radler at quarter Spencer Radler at quarterback and have found a stud, a true uh, a true quarterback stud, Caleb Thompson, who a lot of people think can actually come in and steal the Heisman, and hasn't even started but the last game or two. I think he puts up four or five hundred yards. I think they're trying they're gonna push this guy for a for a late Heisman run. The Heisman title really is, is not solidified really with anyone this year. Um I, I'm I'm 
I'm going to go Oklahoma here and, and give the 38 points. And also, look, San Diego State, the fighting Brady Hoax, man. They're undefeated. They're ranked number 22. They're going on the road to, to face Air Force, and they're getting three points? Nah, man. San Diego State, Gino, plus three. And I'm going the Sooners, Boomer Sooners, the fighting Jim Rosses. I'm going to Oklahoma minus 38. Let's see if we can win two more this week. Couple plays for scoops, coop loop. He gives you scoops. He gives you recap. He gives you plays. Where else can you find all of that? <laughs> Nowhere, but right here on that's what G said podcast every week on wrestling with Chad Cooper, buddy. Thank you so much, my man. You have a great weekend. I look forward to talking to you soon. You got it, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. Make sure to give him a follow at the Chad Cooper everywhere uh, on social media, at Instagram, and on Twitter. Scoops, coop a loop. Helping us out, like always. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Big thank you to Koopa Loop for helping us out for this with this week in wrestling. Eric with NFL Week 7. Look forward to next week where we'll know what the World Series looks like. We'll have a little more NBA to discuss. And we will continue on with our NFL coverage each and every week. Everything happening in the world of wrestling next week. We'll have the Shang-Chi recap for you. Just going to get that together with Tim over the weekend. So you'll have that to look forward to. And uh, everything else going on in the world of sports and pop culture. Have a great weekend, folks. Good luck. Make a ton of money.